The following hoot nanny will be explicit. Oh, we had this good idea. Well, it seemed good at the time. Now half our party's dead, and that sure ain't a good sign. So now we're back to character gen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Oh, we had this good idea. You're listening well, to Happy Jack's RPG time. Podcast, now pursuing the RPG dead. hobby with reckless abandon and beer. So now we're back to character gen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Go I baitin'. Thank you for joining us for Season 17, Episode 10 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Bill. I am Kadave. <laughs> and I am Kimmy. And uh, <laughs> September 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the LAX Hilton Hotel, strategicon.net for information. Gateway... September con. September con. September con. September con. A month and a tiny bit away. Come and join us, and we'll be at. uh, We'll do a show live at eight p.m. on Saturday, which is what the third, I think. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's going to be in some kind of auditorium this time. Ooh. They have an auditorium. I didn't know. Auditorium. More importantly, can can we drink in the auditorium? Probably not. No. Well, maybe we'll have a waitress service. Hey, wouldn't that be awesome? Technically, oh, the thing about the hotel I would love is a waitress if you to buy the me. stuff from the hotel, they're happy to let you drink it. Drink it. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. If you we could get a wait- waitress service, that would be awesome. I would totally do that. We can yeah. call room service to whatever fucking room number the auditorium is. <laughs> Bingo! But whose room is it going to go on? I don't know, Not but mine. we'll pay cash. <laughs> John Cocktozen. John Cocktozen in room and a, 697. Yeah, a steak sandwich and a <laughs> steak sandwich. <laughs> All right. In this episode, Zoomfarg asks about home brewing a complex setting. Ben in Pen- Philadelphia ben. writes in about magic and technology. Doug in Vancouver asks about actual playing gumshoe. Ben in New Zealand writes in about living campaign, a living campaign based on Dragon Quest, and he gives us a podcast plug. But Yay. before we start with all that, our tip of the week. Wait, wait, did you do the blurb? We'll do that after. Oh. Okay. I love that. I love. I love that intro. For yeah. The tip of the week. It makes sense. So I was uh, trying to think of a few different things, and I decided to. Uh, go with something that lives in my OneNote file. Ah, um, that has to deal with being able to uh, always establish uh, a reconnectivity with long-standing NPCs. So, for example, uh, every time in the Star Wars Traveler campaign, you guys meet Cure Starfall. Right, I want because especially you've. He's become an important NPC. Right. I want there to be an immediate reconnection for the players. There's what they have learned to think about him and feel about him, but I have to have my notes as the GM. Mm-hmm. So when I so I have uh, and Stu, I think I I still want to do a GM briefing right. that's just about like masturbating about how amazing one note is mm-hmm. uh, for 20 minutes. Uh, but in here, I go to my, PC, my NPCs tab, and then I have it divided up by 
where they're located or what their affiliation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have the individual NPCs. So when I go, um, because it's how you guys have interacted with him, when I go into Rebels, right, and then I have Kier Starfall, I go to his page, not only do I have his artwork and all of his stats and everything, if that's important, then I have um, a little blurb. And I always add on to, to where I keep my notes on what the, how the players have interacted with him, right. but I have immediate blurbs. His is longer because he's been around so long. But it says, pilot, smuggler, and owner of the Idiot's Array, which he claims to have won with a perfect hand of Sabacc from Quan Kors. Kira is a smuggler trying to take the highest paying jobs to keep his ship running, his crew happy, and eventually score the big one that will let him freely roam the galaxy. He's not political and is happy to work for whomever makes him the best officer, the best offer. And then I always have uh, a voice cue or an attitude cue. Mm-hmm. So Kier, ah, okay, I just right. use my voice. Right. Right? I don't do an accent. I use my voice. Mm-hmm. I say, but laid back, smooth, and full of confidence. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Now, uh, a a one one time I think NPC that showed up, but you guys talk about him all the time because he was the best. Is the is the Gungan doctor, and he was the result of a terrible role, right? It right was now? like, oh, we got oh, we found about it. Well, here's the guy you can find. So uh, that's Yub Yub Fleeb. Is that is his name? Which you guys really probably know. So I have here. He's like Gungan doctor on Narshada that helps out the injured crew. He uses ancient Gungan secrets that manifest themselves as stinky, goopy herbal remedies. They're slow but effective, and the good doctor's services are always discreet. So that's like my... Now I can immediately like know how I'm supposed to interact with the party, right. like what their experiences with them, and then I have voice, Gungan stereotype, but streetwise. Okay. So then I know immediately this is how I'm going to talk. Uh, and the last one I'll give an example on uh, was the is the gray lady, and she is uh, on Narshada, and she's the uh, the gray lady heads the Inquisitors on Narshada. Mm-hmm. So your Dave probably remembers her. Mm-hmm. Um, her voice is a Russian Euro mix, cold, calculating, undistractable. Follows the chain of command, shows professional deference. Mm-hmm. So now it's uh, even that, and that's like a very short version of that. But then I want to make sure. As the GM, every time somebody comes in and interacts with those NPCs, especially if it's happened once or twice or more, that I'm not scrambling like, oh, oh God, yeah, oh, what was that NPC like? Was right. that, I don't remember, I don't remember. I just have enough notes there to be able to at least get right back into the ballpark, even if I don't do it exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that is that is my tip, is to just, you know, however you... And, and I also, in, in the great part, one note is that I actually go and find... Uh, some representative piece of artwork on the wonderful World Wide Web to have. <coughs> so, one, that helps me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at them, like, oh, right, this is what they look like. I can either show the party or describe them. Um, and then, like, another one, like Inquisitor Mar- the Inquisitor Marshal Ashcroft, which you guys may remember, who was the head of the Inquisitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, like, head of Inquisitor Branch on the Imperial Center. He's a dedicated servant to the Emperor, if not the Empire. So I thought that was an important distinction. Right. Um, he has a penchant for causing pain. And then the quote I wrote was, we will know what you know. <laughs> so, I, you know, and then uh, I, and a lot, and sometimes I have what the voice is and sometimes I don't. But the idea is that basically however you keep your notes, you know, especially if it's NPCs, um, it, you can write down one or two sentences really quick, right? And if you're using something fantastic like OneNote, you can then you know, add to it after the game or if you go back and think about it or if you want to set something up later because I like the consistency that happens. So whenever you guys meet that character again, 
I want there to be at least that that immediate remembrance right. of what they were. So there you go. There's Excellent. my there's my tip. I hope I hope you enjoyed my tip. Thank you. <laughs> and and I'll tell you that sound that sound effect is like completely gives me a different like twitch now. <laughs> like, the nor- why are you away? Yeah, normally I'd be like, oh, oh look, it's a baby crying. Now it's like, oh, the baby crying, baby crying. <laughs> I wake up, baby crying. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have a tweeters. You can go on Twitter, and we are happyjacksrpg, all one word. We have a voicemail line, 626-629-8RPG. That's 626-629-8RPG. And I'll check it here first in a minute after I read the first email. Wait, we also have Instagram and Facebook. And oh, we have an Instagram. What's our Instagram? The same. We match. We have branding. So Happy Jacks RPG? Happy Jacks RPG on Instagram and on what Instagram. else? And we have a Facebook. We have a Facebook group, group and a Facebook fan page. Yes, and uh, MySpace is uh, MySpace is rocking. That's right, it's happening on MySpace. Yes, I actually went on MySpace uh, and was able to remember one of my usernames and passwords. Wow, and and as far as we can tell, because I think we've both checked now, Tribe is officially non-existent. It did or did it come I back? I think it was down, but I think it's back. Wow, Let me check. It's like a zombie hooker. Oh, no. No. 503 back end fetch failed. No. Guru meditation. Somebody actually unplugged. You should check your live journal while we're talking about this on the podcast and everyone's riveted. I hate it when my back end fetch fails. (laughs) That's the worst. (laughs) Isn't a fetch a a, a kind of a a fey creature? Maybe. I, I seem to remember those from Dresden Files. A fetch. I assumed it him having a dealing yeah. with a fetch. I thought that was some kind of weird sex act. I thought it was, you That's know, throwing a thing for a dog. Oh. A yeah, yeah. oh, oh. Very close. <laughs> Very oh, I got different. it. I got it. Uh, Live Journal is still alive and rocking. Of course. Nice. I just remember when a member of our band who has refused to join Facebook said, I won't join Facebook because everyone on Facebook is. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Monkeys? No. Uh, Lemmings, uh, self syphilitic, narcissistic. I'm like, but aren't you on Live Journal? <laughs> that's, that's much deeper. Yeah, yeah that you're sharing. That's for that's true narcissism. Word. <laughs> that's like hipster Facebook. There's it, like ten people there to read what he thinks. I don't know how many people. I don't. I used to have a Live Journal account, but I never put anything on there. They should have like a Live Journal for zombies, like Undead Journal. <laughs> And just, it's like, oh, oh, look, another quote, another post about brains. How well, they exciting. Had, they had my dead space for a long time. And it was really? all the people who, it was people who died. And it was all their, their MySpace pages. That's so you'd go, fucking creepy. It's super creepy. And it would post like their obituary or the article about how they were killed or how they committed suicide or something. And then their MySpace. It was really weird to That's see weird. what people would, and I totally went all the time. It was ridiculous. But like to see what like the last thing people would post would be. That's the and also modern the- day version of like the little old lady in her kitchen reading the obituaries. Yeah, yes. that is yeah. totally what it is. And it was, it was just weird. It was super fascinating. <laughs> I guess as someone who kind of, space. yeah, wow. it's not there anymore. They took it down. But oh, I think- look, old, old Jerry finally went over to my dead space. <laughs> I guess that yeah. fucker will never return my saucepan. 
That's creepy. That's well. It's it's like the same thing when you'll get some notification on Facebook. Oh yeah, from somebody, and it's so like, and so has a birthday today. You're like, yeah, not anymore. It's no. fuck, fuck yeah. you, Facebook automatic reminder. Oh, I got a friend well, request, like an automatic friend suggestion of someone who'd passed away a couple years ago, and that was super inappropriate. Like, it was very upsetting. Fam- family members can change Facebook pages over to memorialized versions, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it turns off face- the automatic birthday notices, and it turns off the it. Drops them out of the. You might also know suggestions yeah. to people. And There's some people stuff that like that. Don't but know the page that. is just there <laughs> as like a memorial. So There's some people that just should just do that anyway. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Just. Uh, yes, I'm calling for a friend of mine. Uh, he's dead. Can you uh, <laughs> memorialize his page? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. His name's uh, Greg Stork. Uh, yeah, yeah, that <laughs> yes, guy. that's his name. I'm sorry, sir. We don't have anybody. Oh my by god! Name. <laughs> Starting a memorial page for a story <laughs> that has to oh, be. Oh, be the it. best. Oh, you know, I thought. You know, I I saw somebody was talking about. I saw some post for for uh, Gen Con and was like, oh, look at the come by this booth. Look at these amazing custom dice we made for Gen Con and everything. And I realize that now with all the 3D printing and everything, like getting customized dice is super simple. Yeah. Right. So I think <laughs> we should get. 20 sliders made and the one is a little picture of stork Aww. oh that's cool and so when people they can stork it they yeah. can literally stork it and it's just like it's just some like line drawing thing of like stork or face. of a stork with a little beak and a little yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome uh or even that that's still my favorite fan art that the, the podcast has ever gotten is that sketch of stork as the wizard <laughs> The with cloud the, over his head and it's yeah, raining he's just on his head. There and he had the cloud raining on just him, <laughs> and he's holding a staff, and the, right. the top knot of the staff is a D20 with all ones. <laughs> I've never seen that. Oh, he's got, it's so good. He's got that best expression. It's awesome. Um, there was something else. I can't remember what it was. I'll remind myself later. Hey, Mary. Magic Beanstalk Growers. This is uh, homebrewing a complex setting from Zoomfarg. I think I may have said that already. Zoomfarg. I'm curious about how you go about creating rich, complex settings when homebrewing or world building. Some questions for GMs and players to spark conversation if necessary. For GMs, what do you prioritize? What sorts of details do you try to plan before the campaign? During the campaign, which do you improv? How do you involve your players? How closely related are campaign prep and wor- and setting prep? When do you consider the setting campaign ready? For players, what makes a homebrew setting come alive? What makes them feel boring? What are some homebrew settings you've enjoyed and why did you like them? Optional reading. A little context. I was prepping a pretty complex medieval fantasy setting for a while in GURPS, of course. Yeah! Um, with low-tech and thaumatology. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I want something that could host several campaigns, one at least of 15-plus sessions. I've spent too much time planning some aspects, i.e. what G.I. Joe calls enchantonomics, and not enough on others. I don't consider any time wasted so far. Um, I've enjoyed my research and learned a lot, but if I'd spent as many... My time a little differently. The setting might have been campaign ready a while ago. Carson Zoomfarg on the forums. Many excellent questions. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this right now for Vast Dominions because I'm actually writing that out for publication, which is a much larger project than I was 
anticipating. I'm up to my my page count right now in like Microsoft Word is up to about 48 pages. That's I'm that's good. N- yeah. Probably about halfway through it at this point. Maybe. That's significant. Um, and I'm trying to make it I'm trying to make a setting that anyone can pick up, read through it, mm-hmm. and it, it is like rife with possibilities. Uh but they can kind of pick and choose what those possibilities are. So, I mean, if you wanted to run a more political game, there are organizations, the political organizations, there's the intelligence organizations of the various nations that are sure. colonizing space. Uh, if you want to run something that's a little more mystic, there's a or, there's a mystic organization in there uh, that is like like going to different planets and finding supposedly important sites and waiting for certain things to align properly to do something. Um, the monolith from 2001. Right. <laughs> <laughs> None of that was disturbing. No. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we lost no listeners on that. Like the early, the, um, the early version of the Irish Republican army. I'm going to put them in there. Uh, also, uh, the Luddites, I'm going to throw them in. Uh-huh. Yes. So I'm going to have a lot of different organizations that can either be organizations people, player characters might belong to or sympathize with or work for or might be fighting against. So, And I'm, sure. not, I'm trying to make it, I'm trying to, to uh, describe it all from a neutral setting so that the Luddites, maybe they're gonna, maybe they're going to be sympathetic to the Luddites and go and work with them, or maybe they're going to be the bad guys, or you know, it could go yeah, either yeah. way depending on the you know the bent of the party. Then there's all the different locations, <clears throat> and while I'm not trying to get super um, detailed on each location, I want to give enough of it so you kind of get a feel for what that place is like. And of mm-hmm. course, it's not scientific, so like. Saturn is like very forested and wild and you know uh, there's um all kinds of strange creatures that live there and there's even rumors that there might be some sort of savage bipedal thing wandering around that uses tools so there's all mm. kinds of mm. you know th- stuff like that so the 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 thing is i i think Neanderthals didn't die they went to Saturn they went to Saturn maybe on a balloon, um, <laughs> on a balloon. But the I think the um, it's when you're starting a setting, you kind of have to look at for expedience. What I'm doing is trying to come up with a setting that to be published, which I think is an entirely different animal. Absolutely, but that's just yeah. kind of the scope of stuff that you would have in it. But I think when you're starting a setting, you kind of need. A very not detailed overview of what's there, and then a detailed overview of the areas that you anticipate are going to be relevant during the first story arc. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really all you need at first. So, like for for me, like Eldamy, the first couple of sessions took place in the city or on the peninsula the city is on. So that's really all I worried about. I worried about the city, important areas in the city, important NPCs there, a couple of places outside of the city that the party would be going to. But I didn't worry about what was on the other side of the mountains or, you know, what the other city, you know, two weeks away north is or any any of that Sure, because you don't know where they're going to go. Right. And if they're never going to go there, you don't want to spend the time to prep it. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. 
I so I ran a uh, for a few weeks at work until everybody's schedules exploded a couple of year a year or so ago. Uh, I ran a Savage Worlds campaign, um, and I wanted and so I homebrewed a setting uh, and races and everything. Um, they were all human, so that was the big thing. It wasn't elves and dwarves and that right. kind of stuff. Right, it was all human based. Um, and so I have uh, I sent out a a word doc that you know is not done in tiny text it's like 14 points so it's you know pretty big that was about a 13 page doc and basically what i did is there's uh, a page that talks about the the overall the big setting mm-hmm. right and i'll in a minute i'll read it so people get an idea what that is uh and then uh and it was about the five kingdoms of Ureth is what the the setting was and then I wrote for each of the kingdoms almost like a, a little two-page Wikipedia thing. Okay. Right? And then that's what I gave them. And so they could have an idea, oh, here's a place I could be from. Here's a couple tidbits about the geography. Here's what the people from there are like. And then they could make it from where they wanted. And I knew where they were going to start. And then that was the the other prep. I knew they were going to start in one of the capital cities of one of these kingdoms. Mm-hmm. But I didn't prep any more than that until they made their characters. And I knew where everybody was <coughs> from and how they might go together. So the first thing I gave them was this, Five Kingdoms of Ureth. At one time in the ancient past, magic was prevalent. Great and terrible monsters roamed the lands and filled the skies with fire. Creatures born of arcane sorceries and dark intent threatened the very existence of mankind. The practitioners of these unnatural acts were known as warlocks, witches, wizards, and conjurers. The singular term mage applied to them all. Their thirst for knowledge and power led to an inevitable conflict that threatened to engulf the whole of humanity in its wake. Magic was not spread to the masses, but hoarded and controlled by a few hundred powerful mages. Kingdoms were ravaged, fertile lands made barren, and the lives of innocents bartered and discarded as the powerful struggled to become even more so. There were a few practitioners of the mystic arts that sought to find a balance, a more peaceful path, and were systematically slain, contained, or banished. Soon enough mankind was on the brink of destruction that no salvation was in sight. And then the awful forces that these mages sought to control turned in upon their masters. A great confluence of arcane energies grew and multiplied, creating what was known as the Arcanist Storm. It swept across the whole of the lands of Ureth, over the highest mountains, and across the widest seas. It devoured the very energies that the mages sought to control, growing ever stronger as it progressed. The effects of the Arcanist Storm were chaotic, but its path was strangely selective, as if it was drawn towards pockets of arcane power. For nine years, the storm raged and eventually reclaimed what the mages had taken and misused. It then moved to the Great Waste, a vast dead place filled only with rock and the arcane maelstrom. No one ventures there, or at least none foolish enough to try have survived and returned. Two hundred years have passed since the Arcanist storm swept across the lands, and Ureth is now a place scarred and reforged by this experience. The use of magic is incredibly rare and openly scorned. Those accused of sorcery are given swift trials by the local magistrate, and more often than not, put to the flame. Even discussing the practice of the arcane arts can be cause for suspicion. No one wants to go back to the old times out of fear of reopening the Pandora's box. The monsters that once roamed the land are legend, myth, and fantastic stories passed down generation to generation to inspire awe and fear at children's bedtimes or around dim lantern light in a lonely tavern. Generations have passed since those creatures were seen, probably swept up in the arcana storm, or they died out in great battles between the mages. And as with many things, what is out of sight becomes faded memory. There are rumors of less dangerous and more profitable proof of this time, however. Items of power, whether trinkets or great weapons of war, can be found, drained of their arcane essence. 
Today, those seeking adventure live in a more mundane world. Steel and strength have replaced stabs and sorcery. Guile and wit have become have more sway than magical charms, and a well-placed arrow is the only bolt that men fear. As the conflicts now waged are between lords of kingdoms for land, precious metals, gemstones, and as ever power. So that was the overall setting. Mm-hmm. And so out of that, everybody got, okay, magic's super rare, it's feared. It was kind of like it, magic was a nuclear weapon that was getting unleashed. This strange storm came and exists, and they can actually find that. Right. So I laid all these adventure seeds, and they knew that they were going to be making, it was, the idea was a low fantasy world. Okay, right. right. Behind that, and I won't read the big thing, but then like I, I had the different kingdoms. So Altaraz, smallest and most desolate, it's where the Great Waste is. And then basically the idea was like, hey, you know, the people there are darker complexions and smaller in stature, attained a tolerance for heat that allows them to survive. So the idea was this is the, the desert type area, right. right? And then I had a thing about the genome, uh, sorry, the geography, um, and where I would give a couple little things, like the, what the Blacklands are and what the Redlands are, and then what their climate was like. Um, and then I listed, I always listed like uh, three main cities mm-hmm. so they could have ideas of like where they are and how they applied to each other. So your advice is write a book and plan all the things? No, I didn't, but I didn't, <laughs> but I didn't plan all the things. Like I said, <laughs> main city is like named for this guy, right? right? So it's just putting stuff out there. I didn't design. Kala. Like, I just said, like, here's the name of the city, and this is why it's called that, and these are, this is who the ruler is. Mm-hmm. Right. Of their sentences. overall kingdom. Right. Right, yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, the, the thing that was actually probably the, the, the wordiest is the, here's the, the intro for the whole world is. Yeah. Right. But that still was just a little over a page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I found ended up working really well with that is, is that the players would read these, and they're like, oh, hey, I'm kind of digging Skelva, which seems like it's, it's all pirates, and they're like this coastal kingdom, and uh, what about, th- could I do this? And it incited them to ask me a lot of questions, mm-hmm. which then started to which fill you didn't, in. Didn't, probably didn't have the answer for. No, but, but, the but questions then... questions themselves then, created... Right, they right. created that depth, right? right? So it was basically trying to build a... When I was setting up, I wanted to build a wide enough homebrew skeleton that then, as my players read something that was like, ooh, that seems really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, I'm super interested in that. Hey, I want to be someone, I want to be one of those crazy foolhardy people that secretly wants to find magic. That was one of the, the players' thing. I was like, okay, great. So now I know I have to give some more thought to that. But right. there was other things that I just put a thread out there. Nobody jumped on it. I'm like, great. I don't need to worry about thinking any more about that than when I did. Right. You know? Unless they happen to go there. Right. Unless they decide right. during over the course of play they want to go there and then that's just like anything else in the campaign. Right. right? So I mean it it and maybe part of this is practice. It probably took me, you know, a couple of three nights mm-hmm. to write what I wrote. The the hardest part for me was deciding my format. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I would and I went to like Wikipedia and I looked up somewhere like, you know, what Aubrey Bajan? What is that? Oh, look! They have these little things that are like Australia. Oh, oh, and it gives you, and that's and it laid that's out a really format. good idea because it, it tells you here's all the information you'd put in right. an encyclopedia thing, right? For a place. And so that's right. ex- I just basically ripped Wikipedia's formatting, and I was like, great, here's population, geography, like yeah, I, and I didn't even use everything they did, but right. it gave me a like here's the f- the five things I want to fill in that are important, mm-hmm. and I don't, and sure. it wasn't like I'm writing here's an entirety of a book of what the geography is, but here's like 
And I always try to pick like two or three interesting things. Like, oh, there's a waterfall called the Three Sisters because it's these rivers that all come together. And then when they fall down, it's that. And that's just there. That's a thing. Right. And like, so then they could be like, oh, well, that's really. And if they, that sparked some interest in the players, then I could delve more deeply into that and think about, well, why are they there? Why is it called? Blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So you could, you could build a lot of implied richness pretty mm-hmm. easily, but you, but then you get to actually delve into it with the players, which right. I think is better. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I have honestly never entirely on my own prepped a uh, entire homebrew <coughs> campaign. You generally use something that it I exists. use something that exists. Move the mic a little bit yeah. closer, or yeah, closer. Yeah, that, yeah that, that, is. Is that better? That's perfect. Perfect. Hot. Um. So I've I, the games I've run have all been. You know, the stories are usually stuff I come up with. I've run some pre-printed modules, obviously, right. but, you know, I come up with a story, but it's already in the framework of a world, like Star Wars or mm-hmm. uh, Rifts or something that, you know, it's like, okay, well, they've set up the world-building part. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Really, the closest to that kind of thing has been my collaboration with Stork on, right. like, doing the Freak Show game or... Our traveler game, that kind of stuff, right? And the the freak show thing that that's an alternate reality. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you know, it's it's, it's a based on mm-hmm. modern America, but right, right, yeah, with magics and stuff. Well, and that's true. Of, I think ninety nine percent of settings, like yeah. it's based on something people already have known or seen or regular, sure. you know, fantasy, and they're kind of tweaking it to make it their own. Yeah, and I think the more you diverge from that, the more work you have to do to get it across right Right. but if it's something where it's like freak show it's like okay great it's a modern day setting totally at that oh here's the twist okay great and there's going to be a lot of depth and nuance in that and that makes sense like i did a at the cons for a while i ran uh this fact campaign that was basically that was the artifact that yeah Yeah. artifact hunt uh, like paranormal artifact hunters during world war ii Mm -hmm. right and so there's a ton I don't have to do there other than I need to just make sure I'm explaining to you why your organization exists, why it's international and what that means. Right. Like why you like, you know, yes, all those things where Hitler was looking for, you know, like the, all, all his occult things. Yeah. All his occult the, stuff. Yeah. That yeah, all that shit's SS real. Thing, yep, yeah. That's all real. <clears throat> right. And so then it lets you do some cool stuff by looking and saying like, there was actually a, uh, there was a, uh, an SS, organization that were the um i can't remember the actual name but they were basically it was like the lightning wolves or is the wolf pack was like the german mm-hmm. name of it so i just made them all werewolves awesome right so it's like <laughs> like that seems like that would totally make sense that's why they were called that because they were actually werewolves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and and i think that's a thing that's interesting about like a lot of steampunk that happens too right they take a known setting like victoria victorian england layer what their view of that is you know, and it's pretty interesting because if you think about it, it's like how the hell did England? How were they this tiny little island, such a formidable power, right? In Victorian times, right? It's like oh well, because they had all this crazy technology, or they had vampires, or whatever the hell it is, mm-hmm. right? So that lets you do cool stuff, right? And I like I like Kimmy, I like the run you did with all the Salem stuff, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, yeah, this 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 was real. Mm-hmm. And so you have a, a good background as a player, right? But I think to kind of jump ahead a little bit to like what 
as a homebrew setting makes it come alive for you for a player is when either if it's a twist on something or if it's a completely defined thing, when I'm a player and it's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you get that a lot when, when people homebrew a part of it. Right. Like when they, <clears throat> like, like with it, like with the, um, the freak show stuff. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I get it. We're in Seattle or every like, oh, but this, oh, shit, that's cool. Because right. those become the memorable things where, where it took a really strange turn you didn't mm-hmm. expect. Well, and I think, too, I mean, you have to kind of balance that. There's a difference between a campaign setting and a one-shot or something that you're doing yeah. at a con. Absolutely. So at a con or something like that, D- Dave, you guys, like, really created that world. Salem Witch Trials, that game, you know, it's all there. I make all of it, and it's all ready. Um, the chances of someone wanting to wander out of that little sandbox is probably pretty small in a four-hour game. Yeah. Um, I really like what Bill was saying earlier um, and what I, I try and do with campaigns is I'll plan the basic skeleton of the world. Like, this is the concept. Magic is whatever. Like, Bill's, you know, magic is down, looked down upon because it almost destroyed the world. But really, like, like wait till your players give you their backstories or give you kind of what they've come up with. You can give them some cities if they, they are players who want a little bit so that they know, oh, this is the main yeah. city and, you know, on the continent. And then, like, pull from what they've created. Because, one, it's a heck of a lot easier Two, instead of having to convince them to be interested in what you've created, you get to—they're already going to be invested because they've helped yeah. create it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, "Oh, my character's from there. Okay, this is interesting to me." It's not like, "No, really, this is really interesting. I come up with this great story, buy into <laughs> it, and like it." <laughs> so it's really—and and you have to do less work. They come up with kind of that creative piece, you know, itself. I think the the other thing, and, and Kimmy, you just touched on it. Another question uh, that. Zoom fog put here for players, what makes them feel boring? And to me, it's when I feel like, oh, I'm walking through the GM's narration. I'm in their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not contributing. Or like, when I want to go somewhere, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, no, 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 you go, no. No, that, no, you know, I can't go that way. Oh, right. the, it's unpassable. The road's unpassable. Yeah, what, really? Oh, oh okay. Yeah, very, right. Oh, very large rocks. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, knives. Be, because then you, because then you're like, uh, or, or, or if they'll have something where they'll lay out an idea, right, in the setting, and you're like, oh, I want to go do this then. And like, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. And you're like, uh, and you know, and it's not even a, and even if they don't give you the yes and, you never mm-hmm. even get the no but. Right. Right. Because you might say, in that in the the Ureth setting, I said somebody might say, "Call, oh, I'm going to be the most powerful mage mm-hmm. in existence, right?" And you say, "Great, you are. Here's the cantrip, you know, right?" <laughs> or you could say, "Like, oh no, I mean, I want to have two spells. You know, two spells, right?" <laughs> like, "Oh no, I have this. I want to have this magic weapon that got passed down to me, right? Oh, and I want to yeah. use this. I want to use this magic weapon." So it's it's a yes and but a no but same thing. It's like, okay, that's great, but it's not powered. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, but if you were just say, like, oh, no, magic items don't work. Yeah. Which is the idea behind the setting, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to just saying that and going, nope, no, because that destroys it for me. If I was like, oh, my God, I want to be a guy who tries to go out and find these artifacts. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what they do. Right. But that seems like really cool. It'd be like, oh, if you had a GM that said, yeah, but then none of them will work, so you shouldn't do that. Sounds lame. Yeah. <laughs> that would suck. Yeah. And that would make it boring for me to play. Sure. Or if, or if the GM, uh, conversely, gives you everything you think you might want. 
Right. And right. and you've, yeah. you, you in you your mind, you're like, yeah, like, oh, I've got a story arc. Oh, man, I eventually want to get here. And by the end of the first session, you're there. You're you there. have all that shit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. That's, so that does it more for me. It's like the last day I ever play a video game is the day that I punch in a cheat code. Oh, uh, right? Uh, exactly. You know, you, you sit down, you're like, cool, I'll play The Sims. This is awesome. I'm going to raise a family and train my guy to be an astronomer or some crazy shit, whatever you want to do. And then you're like, oh, hey, I could just type in this little string of characters and get money. Oh, well, then I, my guy doesn't have to go to work. All right, I'm going to build a swimming pool or and then I'm going to delete the ladder. Right. He'll not be able to get out and he'll drown. What was it? Oh, KDFA. Doom. That's the one exception to that rule because there's nothing more cathartic than like logging into. <laughs> you can still get Doom on stream and I play mm-hmm. it every once in a while. Just fucking like God moding it and just like <laughs> blasting everything to shit. You're like, yes, I'm amazing. This is so great. And there, and he, the, like the dying zone. Doom is the, is the one where you end up spending some time. Looking for all of the hidden stuff, there's no way you would have ever have found when right. you played the game. <laughs> right, right. The right. real way. Well, yeah. once you've done that and you find all that stuff, eh. Well, that, and it's interesting you talk about the catharsis. It's like when you're, and especially when it launched and WoW was much harder, right? Because they've, they've made it more forgiving and like more inclusive Absolutely. to get people in, right? You right. Know, ramp up really quickly. Uh, so the thing that, though, I remember when you were first doing it, you'd be there and, and you'd be trying to fight and then you're in like the, like the, an early zone, you're level five, and you, you accidentally wander near some monsters like level eight and it just fucking beats the shit out of you. And you're like, God, oh, fuck. And it's like some big werewolf or something. You're like, motherfucker. The amount of times that then you then later, and I think everybody who ever played WoW has done this, you come back and you're like level 30, and you walk back through, you're like, oh, hey, bitch, boom! Wow. And you just kill that thing in one shot, and you're like, oh my yeah, god, that feels so good. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember when I was level 3, and you kicked my ass. Oh my god. Fuck you. What, the giant game? robot in Outland. Like, yes. fuck that thing. Yeah, fuck that fuck thing. Fuck that thing. Sorry, what guys. was the... I don't remember which game it was. Still there was a fucking brownie. That was EverQuest. That was oh, EverQuest. You could yes. almost you couldn't even see him half no, the time. Little tiny fucker. Yep. <laughs> Would come up and go. Hated that. Eh, yeah. Eh, eh. And then you like, dead. Why am I? Why am my hit points going away? What the fuck is going on? What's hitting me? Right. But and it's I'm, but it's interesting, right? Because I mean, that's and that's maybe outside the scope of a homebrew, but when it, <laughs> but yeah. no, but no, but the but the the thing I'm into is like when something is either so hard or is completely just given to you, it's boring. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think it's important too to really tap into your players because just because you think something might be boring doesn't mean they will. Yeah. So you might have yeah. like the most stereotypical, like cheesy fantasy novel setting with no big twists, and they could love the shit out of it. They could totally love that. So don't assume because you're doing something that is. Uh, is typical or traditional that it won't be fun too. You don't always have to, as like the queen of the weird twists, like I'm saying this, but (laughs) like you don't always have to have that weird twist. If your players want to have that traditional fantasy setting, like go for it, do that with them. If they want to do the traditional Cthulhu game in that normal time period, you know, make sure you know what their expectations are as well. Because if they're expecting one thing and you give them something different, just because you want to be different, that isn't necessarily a good thing. 
Yeah, and if you and if they latch on to something, no matter what it is, make it important, right? Oh my God, make it huge important. <laughs> oh, we talk yeah, about yeah. that all the time, but especially in a homebrew, because when you're coming up, especially if you're coming with a lot of the world mm-hmm. or the settings or the character classes or race or whatever it is, you don't know what they're going to latch on to at all. Yeah. So if and you might think, oh my God, there's this amazing castle that's in the clouds, and that's the thing that they're going to be really enraptured with. And then you find out, man, this is like the third time they've gone back to that one tavern. Yeah, and they like, and they keep <laughs> they keep trying to convince the barmaid to adventure with them. <laughs> like it's so like okay, you know what? Fuck it, she's gonna go like just buy into it, do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. and it's the thing, and I don't think it's a it's a secret amongst the players anymore. Oh, oh yes, I got to have some of the art bag. Yeah. Art bag, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. Like she leaves her job and she's terrible at adventuring, so now they have right. to support her because yeah. she's she can't get her job she's back as a barmaid. Yeah, yeah. And she can't be an right. adventurer. So you guys made me quit my job. Right, I only this because you told me that I should come do it with you. Right, <laughs> I didn't even give two weeks notice. They'll never, never take, me, take back. me back. <laughs> well, that's like, and I don't think it's a big secret anymore, but. Um, in the in the Star Wars Traveler game, Kier Starfall was nobody mm-hmm. until right? he turned right. into the bane uh, of the empire. Until until the party decided he was the most interesting shar- starship pilot in the galaxy, <laughs> and it was like because okay, because he got away with something on. Well, I mean, and but it even he, started. He got where away from them. The whole thing was in the setup <laughs> in the cantina. The whole idea was here's a Jedi, right? That you guys are like, oh shit, it's a Jedi. We know he's a Jedi. Like that should be the focus. He's just talking to somebody to try to get a ride somewhere. No, <laughs> who's the guy he's talking to? Who's the like, guy he's talking to? Collaborator. We knock him out. Collaborator. We take him back to the ship. We fucking use uh, binders and we hook him onto a under the bed. And then we're gonna interrogate him. Like, oh, holy crap! They like they're into it. And I just played him like however I played him. And suddenly everybody's like, I don't trust this fucking guy. <laughs> I feel I'm like, oh, you know what? That's awesome. Yeah. Right. right? Because he's lasted the whole campaign, mm-hmm. and you know we'll see how much longer he could make it. But <laughs> well, now he's got people in the party on his side too. Oh, he's been yeah. hired by the party, right? Right. Fuck and the, that and the, noise. And the interesting <laughs> thing is, well, that's, there's been some turnover. So now there's some of there's us who been don't some have turnover, that. right? Well, and the thing is, and I, and you haven't even listened to the last episode, so I almost no. don't want to say anything to ruin it for you uh-huh. but it will become very apparent when you wake up something is missing did Some, we something it? really important is missing did we not we played we played through 13 episodes and you were on you couldn't make the last one that we played and so you were unconscious it was the big fight it was it was the right it was right after the thing got blown up right, right after the transport got blown up and so you were unconscious because you were too close to the blast but for for people that have heard it uh, and but when you wake up, there's something really important to the party that's not there anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. I almost forgot. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You'll find out when you wake up. Did you guys lose my slave? In a manner of speaking, <laughs> let's just say that even I there, know what happens. There, there's there's something that's very important to Rob's character <laughs> that he no longer has. His ship. Yes. Oh no. <laughs> Thanks to your massage slave. She took it. Good for her. <laughs> well, you know, so so basically, and and the whole party got to watch it leave, and like, and Rise like, son of a bitch. That's awesome. And so I can, but I didn't know, even get a massage. But from but her. now, fortunately, and I'm sure Dave will be excited about this. This character who started out as like a name on a piece of paper, well, he does happen to be your employee and happens to have a ship. So maybe you'll have to have him 
be a huge help to get Rob shit back. Right. Right. So it's just this whole like <laughs> we do fun some money. story circle that comes around <laughs> that as a GM, you just have like, oh my God, the party thinks this thing is really important. Right. Right. Because they'll they they will find out what is the most engaging fun thing for them in your world. Right. Right. And then Well it's it's like the old lady in the vampire game. Mm-hmm. She was nothing. She was an old lady who owned a bar. Yeah. But that no, it's got to be something. There's going to be something about her. Maybe she's a vampire. No, she never goes out at night. And that that's when I, it 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 flipped in my head was, oh no, she knows about vampires. She never, never goes, goes out, out at night. At night, she's yeah. only out when the sun is up. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, in that. So I think look the to go back to Zoomfar's thing like in a complex setting, you don't have to make it super complex when you start. No. You just have to, I think, it, I think you have to plant a lot of seeds. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and then be super open to going wherever people want to go. And then you have the advantage of building that part of the world up when they decide to go there. Yeah. So I think Stork's the one who always talks about it. He's like, I'm terrible. I can never run a campaign because I have to, I have to everything. build everything right. before they right. start. And well, I that's... spend months and months and months and months prepping, and then they never even use it. And... Our right. co-GM relationship is... Codependent? Author <laughs> and editor. <laughs> ah, okay, all right. Like, he will sit down and just come up with reams of data and be like... All right. Like the the most famous example was when we did the freak show campaign that was uh, a Viking ship in Boston had been discovered. Oh right, right. Oh, yeah. And it had it turns out it contained the the <coughs> granite cube that was Grendel's grave that oh, they they awesome. sent across the sea to get it away. Right. Mm-hmm. And that prep work that he did for that was literally probably a hundred pages of shit that he'd put shit. together. Just like maps of the way Boston looked in the at the early days of the colony and modern day maps and then it was a map of all the bars in Boston and then there was detailed information on all the places that Grendel might show up and detailed like fifteen different versions of what he might look like in modern Boston that he had photoshopped together and doing all this stuff and just endless pile of papers and I was like, dude, you have like eight con games here. We need to eight <laughs> calm this shit down a little bit. And he's got eighty. Yeah. Exactly. I, I can usually fit almost all of my prep for a game outside a setting. On like two sheets of paper. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I find, what, I find what takes me the longest in prepping for a con game, which is very different than a campaign, yes. but for a con game is is finding all either the, the props and the artwork that I want to use. Right. Like, writing oh, the yeah. thing takes me, like, two nights. Yeah. Right? And especially, and this I got actually from, uh, from Dave and Stork, like, I have... I basically have franchises I run now. So it's like, yep, I'm going to use the same characters. Well, yeah, the, well, yeah. the thing that used to be the most time-consuming was making the, right. the player characters. Yeah. Right. And I, and I try to make them really interesting and give people a reason to love those characters when they play them and everything. But then I don't then I don't want to sink that time every every time I do something. So sure. Like, oh, great. I'm going to use, like, I've run, like, five or six Grim games now. It's like it's the same damn kids every time, and mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Right. right, that's great because and when I have and it's and it actually works really well because if there's people that have never played <sighs> in one of those before, they're just like, oh, hey, this seems pretty cool. That seems like a good character to play. Mm-hmm. But people that have played it, if they've had fun, they come back like, oh, no, I want to play that character again. 
Right. Like they get oh, yeah. their favorites. Attached, right? Yeah, they get attached. Um, and it saves you shitloads of prep time. Oh, yeah. You know, but, but I think that is a thing. You've got to fit it in that four-hour window. The luxury of a campaign is you don't have to figure so much stuff out. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so yeah. God, don't do it. You know, yeah. take the time. And then maybe you only end up playing three hours or two and a half hours at night. And you get to some place where they're, they want to go do this thing and they're hell bent on it. And you're like, wow, I have not fucking prepped that at all. Yeah. And if it's longer than the five minute bathroom session to figure it out, mm-hmm. you can just be like, oh, okay, well, you know what? This is a great place to stop. Yeah. Well, that's, I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. That, that's right. the one thing I like about doing the Tuesday night games. Mm-hmm. Because it's only a couple hours. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's always some unfinished business left over from before. That usually takes an hour. Right. And, and then, then shopping, that's two hours. And then shopping is two hours. I just listened to that episode. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Oof. But then, you know, the, like the last session, it ended with them, I, I shouldn't say, but it ended with them at a spot where they heard a familiar sound that you would hear in the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. coming from behind them. And that, like, that's, yeah. I'm going to end it there. Right, I kind of, I kind of know who it is that's standing behind them. Right, but I, ha- I need to piece together some stuff. Sure, I have a couple days before the next session. So sure, I'll get that done. But oh, which by the way, I got done. I just because I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> right, and I sent, uh, I and Kimmy, you might appreciate this, but I sent Stu and Dave a text mm-hmm. after I finished listening to episode eight. I think it is, which mm-hmm. is the the great shopping episode. Yes, but <clears throat> at the end, I'm like. I texted Damon to him like, oh, what the actual fuck? I get critted twice, my character does, and you give oh, the money to the idea. other fucking droid, this brand, like, she gets my fucking cut? What the hell? From if the I ever ship, came back you help from the secure. ship, I help secure, she gets the cut? Oh, and then, by the way, at the very end of the episode... When the psychotic medical droid says, hey, I have an idea. Let's be drug runners. No one has a problem with that. Right. No one have, I'm like, me, the ex-imperial guy, would have been the moral center of the group? What the fuck? Right? It was crazy. So it was so, it, but, it was, but it was really fun also to listen to it and, and have my, my strange moment of outrage right. in the process. But because it is, and I think that's one of those twists, right? Where... Yeah. Like, Agru's all, hey, you know, if we're going to go to Kessel, we could pick up some spice, and then we could, you know, mm-hmm. we could go and sell that for a tidy profit. And he's like, oh, well, I like money. That sounds great. I like, like money. Yeah, I like money. <laughs> it's like a holy crapola, but it's, you know, but it's the kind of thing where, as a GM, you could have said, like, oh, well, do you guys really want to get involved in the drug, you know? With this group? You could dissuade, but, I mean, <laughs> but that's that's almost to a point where... Depending on what it is, because there are some things you wouldn't want to, I, I don't think you'd want to encourage as a GM, but you want us to set some of your base morality aside at right. times. And like, hey, you guys want to, you know, be murder hobos that run drugs? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we could explore that. And then you can decide what the consequences of that are sure. over the course of the game, but to not shut it down initially. Right. Right. Because again, you're letting the player figure out what it is about your setting and your world and your. Experience that they like. Yeah, I mean, if they decided to go back for a second run at Kessel, that would have been like, okay, now you're going to find out find out why everyone with the starship doesn't doesn't run drugs. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> Welcome well, to a you know an, an imperial patrol. Being yeah. a small time drug dealer is easy <laughs> one time. Yes, it's the repeat customers that yeah are the right. ones in prison. Well, and also don't forget that you know uh, that. 
not only do they have the spice mines there, that it's the prisoners that are on Kessel that tend to work oh, yeah. a lot of those. Oh, so, no, you know. I actually looked, I read, uh, it might have been in the Star Wars Atlas or whatever, mm-hmm. after the Battle of Endor, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> Lando Calrissian takes a small fleet of ships, takes over Kessel, and... No, they never found this out because they were only interested in buying the drugs and leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he replaced mm. all of the prisoners with droids. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And he was well, there. We did encounter the fact that we did find out that he was the governor yeah, or whatever. That's true. Yeah, you did. Um, but and we did see that it was all droids working. Yeah, you did mention that, but we didn't. I don't know where that's from, but it was either huh. in uh, either on Wikipedia or in that book. I, right. That I got. Well, the, I love some of the weird stuff in the new can in the new canon mm-hmm. books that are coming out because one of them, and I think I talked to you at a game about this or something, but one of the things that came out in the latest book that came out is there's a character who's going through basically PTSD. He's like going through. Uh, hmm. And he's a rebel, and he's and he's in a hospital, and they they describe a droid that sounds like an early BB model, right? In mm-hmm. the book, and and the guys are like, "Oh, well, what's this?" And he's like, "Well, that's your therapy droid. Like the droid's going to be with you and help you." So, and he's like, a, "A droid? I don't need a droid. I don't want a droid." And he's like, "Oh, well, we could have assigned you an Ewok, but we thought you'd be." And it's like, wait a minute, there's therapy Ewoks, and that's like <laughs> an actual thing where the Ewoks were so happy that they're that they're. The forest we had been saved. That to a way to give back is that they went to go work with injured rebel soldiers. <laughs> so there's therapy Ewoks in the Star Wars universe now. I'm like, that is just yum, yum. fucking brilliant, man. So you got to have a character with a seeing eye Ewok because I think that'd be badass. <laughs> well, my, well, my, the Ewoks in mine are a little darker. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things in the old, well, the now legacy extended mm-hmm, universe right. stuff. Were the uh, what was it? Uh, the X-wing novels um, mm-hmm. that were all sort of based around Rogue Squadron, and then later around another squadron called Wraith Squadron. And at one point, to disguise who he was, they end up having Wedge Antilles like wearing a black morph suit with a stuffed Ewok in the front to pretend to be a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the best thing I can imagine, right? So, like you said, the the Ewoks are a little darker, right, in the universe. So that's, to to attempt to bring this somewhere back to uh, Zoom Farg's email before we probably should move on. But, uh, so, for you guys that are still playing in there, was, like, where did that rank in terms of, like, that's a homebrew thing. That's not, like, so that's taking an existing world and a template's there, but you're homebrewing with some of the racist stuff. So how did that feel to you guys as players? I was locked in my cabin. I don't have any feelings. He was that. he wasn't at that session. Well, you're a droid. You didn't even count, but <laughs> yeah, you I don't have feelings. <laughs> Especially me. That's Other true. droids might have feelings. <laughs> what about you, Kimmy? Like what was that like the 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 Ewok twist that Stu put out? Well, I was only conscious for the first like <laughs> yes. second of it. Spoilers. I actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, spoilers. Sorry, that's fine. No, 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 okay. no, no, it's not out. Okay. No, that's okay. well, just be, no, just I, as a player though, like not talking about what actually happens. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought it was a really interesting twist. I actually really liked that. So because mm-hmm. we're used to Ewoks being these cute, cuddly things, and they're not. No, no. I'm, I'm going to try and avoid spoilers, but they're not. <laughs> well, 
I was only a anybody that has seen Return of the Jedi understands that Ewoks are the best tactical minds. Oh yeah, in the galaxy, right. and they eat people. Well, sure. yeah. have, why would they have, they have a bunch of empty helmets around? They have <laughs> a bunch of sharp have... teeth too, and they're, and they're bringing yeah, they're bringing Han in like on a yeah. fucking spit. Oh yeah, they they were and they lined them up to cook them. Like oh yeah, that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, people don't realize that. They're like, oh, oh. it's like in Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, look how cute they're like, don't you watch the show? Yeah. <laughs> no. Not good. Not good. All right. Magic and technology. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, sorry. One really quick last thing that I never got to talk, say. Mm-hmm. As a player in any setting, whether it's homebrewed altogether or not, if you get to the point where you're thinking that you're setting up a sandbox for your players to play in, for the love of God... Give them some direction. <laughs> there is nothing that kills my will to be a player in an RPG <laughs> more than, okay, uh, you guys are in this city. What, what do you want to do? do? <laughs> yep. Right? Uh, that is the worst possible question that comes across to me is, what do you want to do? Without any background or right. any reasoning, you'd be like, well... That's why players burn shit down. Because they don't know what else to do with themselves. They're just like, well, I, I, well yeah, let's light some shit on fire. Yeah. They burn shit down for other reasons, too. Right. But <laughs> it's not always because of lack of... I, I found that, in, that when Stu, when we were in college, Stu would run GURPS campaigns where we all wrote ourselves up. We wrote, we wrote ourselves. And there were these always these like weird, like post-apocalyptic things that were happening or middle of a zombie invasion or whatever. And I found that that in that type of situation, I burned shit. Like, I don't know why, but like, yeah. I think we played three games that way and every time something would happen, it was like, oh my God, these people are these people that are the really bad people are going to figure out we're trying to see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fucking burned the building we were just in so they don't know we were there. Like, I burned right. like all kinds of crazy shit. It makes a lot of sense because you're going to cover up all of yeah. all of your fingerprints and stuff. And, yeah. Right. It was like, oh, how do we get rid of this evidence? Yeah. Uh, we're going to burn it. Right. I burned it. Burn the, I think I burned a church at one point. I burned the church down. I was right. like, oh my god. And you look at it afterwards like, holy, really? Am I the, would I do that? Hmm, murder I guess I am that guy. <laughs> but you know, to the sandbox thing, Dave, it's true. Because people, I think, often mistake, a, a, it's a weird metaphor maybe, but a sandbox with a beach. Because a beach is just, it goes on and on and on, and it's sand, you can walk wherever and thing. But a sandbox, if you think about it, actually has sides. Yeah. There mm-hmm. are limitations in a sandbox. Yes. And commonly, people put some toys in a sandbox for you to play with. Right. Right? So you have at least, right. oh, it's like, I'm not telling you exactly what you should do, but here's some limitations, and here's some things to start with in terms of ideas. Right. And so if you're going to build an effective right. sandbox, you, you have to do that. The thing I hate the most is when in, in the, my real world job, when people say, if you could make any game you wanted, what would it be? And I'm like, I hate that question. Oh, yeah. Because it's like... It's it, blue sky stuff is almost kind of boring, right? I'm more excited like all oh, if you could make if you could make anything with the following limitations and direction, what would it be? That's way more interesting, right? Mm-hmm. As as a creative, right? So I think it's and it's way more interesting as a player too, right? Like I want to know that there's something I can grab onto. Yeah, here's a, a small box of Legos, a motor, and two AA batteries. Build me a car. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's something interesting. Yeah. To be like, hey, go down Here's to Toys R Us and buy some world. shit. Right. 
here's 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 the Legoland store. Right. <laughs> build build me want. something. Come back when I'm you're gonna done. I'm going to build a giant wall. <laughs> <laughs> going to build a wall. It's going to be huge. A huge Lego wall. <laughs> and Lego store is going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, magic and technology. This email is from Ben, who would like to read this email about magic and technology. And uh, there is actually a subtitle to this, which is, i.e., why Stork is wrong. Because we oh. talked about we talked about this a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I should say because I've had a couple people ask, uh, Stork his uh, work schedule has gone batshit crazy. Yeah, he he. T- I said, "What's your work schedule?" He said, "I'm I'm working twelve sevens." Yes. So he's working seven days a week, twelve hours a day right now on yeah. a shoot for at least six weeks. Yeah, yeah. maybe longer. So he won't he won't be on the show. Probably for the next month. He's got to be making like triple golden time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, after... Yeah, once you get to Saturday and Sunday, having worked 60 hours already. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting up there. Uh, Who would like to read the magic? I'll read it. Uh, Magic and technology. Hello, Stu and crew. I have been enjoying your podcast for the past year and a half... But until now, have not been outraged enough to write in. Oh, God. Stork had some strong opinions regarding the conjunction of magic and technology in Season 17, Episode 6. But I believe that there are a number of factors that he neglected to consider. Oh! One. In most magic systems, wizards and the like have a very limited number of spells, especially at lower levels. Even if a fireball is more powerful than a piece of massive artillery, if a wizard can only cast it twice a day, the artillery with hundreds of shells starts looking very useful. Two, magic is hard. Guns are easy. How much time and training does it take to train a new wizard? How long to get them to be actually useful? See point one. Mm -hmm. In comparison, how long does it take to train someone to use a gun? Also, how many people have the capacity to learn magic? In most fantasy settings, it takes a certain aptitude or talent to learn magic. It is also why medicine and healing magic would coexist. Sure, if you have money and influence, you'll go to a priest, but it's unlikely there are enough priests with enough spells per day to heal everyone down to the lowly peasant. True. Three, magic can be used for defense. All of your examples were of people using magic offensively. If there are wizards on both sides, why wouldn't they cast spells protecting their gunpowder, etc., from magical attacks? The more spells that wizards use to protect their side, the less they have to attack the other side with. I just thought of something. Hmm. Casting invisibility Hmm. on your artillery pieces. Fucked up. (laughs) Well, that's like the the inflatable tanks. Regiment. Right. Right. You know, like, Hmm. yeah, yeah. Now, when it comes to addressing the original emailer's question about how to make it feel like World War I, you need to consider the nature of World War I fighting. The reason World War I was so bloody was because the defensive technology was superior to the offensive technology. Mm -hmm. That produced a stalemate in battles that could only be won, if at all, through horrific attrition. If you want that feel in your game, then you should make defensive magic stronger than offensive magic. Mm -hmm. Imagine a battle like so. Both sides are heavily entrenched and warded to the point that artillery and ranged magical attacks are basically useless. The only way to attack is by charging through no man's land, which is not warded at all, and get inside the trenches and wards. This would produce a World War I-style battle. Ben in Philadelphia. Excellent. P.S. 
On using magic in large battles, the birthright setting for 2nd edition AD&D had rules for specific battle magic spells that were used in the large-scale battles that happened between realms. PPS. I am starting up a new campaign in the next month and need a few more players. I'd appreciate if you guys could give it a plug. I just put up a post in the forum, but I have included a little blurb below. The setting will be an alternate Earth with magic in the year 1555. The Viking settlement of Vinland was successful, and trade with the rest of North America led to metalworking and other technology spreading throughout the continent. With that came disease, but this initial wave of smallpox was crucial in preventing the wholesale catastrophe in our timeline. Nevertheless, the arrival of Columbus set off another wave of disease, which killed many. In the Aztec lands, the boy emperor turned against the bloodthirsty gods that had all the, uh, and had all the priests purged from his realm. The fanatical adherents of that faith fled to the islands of the Caribbean from where they raid the mainland for slaves and sacrifices to this day. It has been 60 years since the plague, but the cults of the old gods have not yet been extinguished. The system will be based on a relatively new RPG called Shadow of the Demon Lord. I have run it a few sessions and enjoy it quite a bit, and it should be easy for anyone who has played a D20 system to pick up. Cool. So, nice. cool. Interesting idea. I yeah. like it. I, Check I do the forums. Check the forums. Yep. I like the, the defenses, defensive offensive thing. And yes. That's a, mm-hmm. I think that is a, a, when, you're, when you talk about mages, that's a thing that gets lost a mm-hmm. lot because everybody focuses on, well, here's how much damage my fighter can do, or here's how much damage a gun can do, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, mages just blow that out of the water. It's like, but what if I have a ward spell up? What if I have a shield up? Right. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't matter. Who cares? Or it's invisible. You don't know where it is. Right. All you know is that there's artillery shells coming in from over the horizon, but you have mm-hmm. no idea from where, where to where it's, where it's happening. This is true. Um, yeah, to me, the, 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 the weirdest thing about magic is when players get super inventive with it. Like in that campaign you ran when we were in college, was it Brian? Somebody basically said, like, oh, I'm going to levitate him up, straight up. For this many rounds, it was the apportation. The apportation. Yeah. Uh, then I'll turn it off, and uh, now he falls with. <laughs> yeah. He, now he, he he's he's moved uh, one yard a second for a minute. Right. Because he doesn't have to concentrate for the minute. Right. Mm-hmm. And then then he just falls. Right. <laughs> and and then he's a this blot. Yes. I'll just do that. Like, oh fucker. <laughs> that's not how that's supposed to work. No. <laughs> But there was some stuff that we we figured out later on. It should have been resisted, right? Stuff like that. Well, and the thing that's too, um, not having heard the technology and magic discussion, but um, that I think are good points that got brought up was the the ubiquitousness of technology and the, how easy it is for people to use it, mm-hmm. right? And and also the fact that um, a lot of the things that make magic so powerful is that you, and even when it's defensive, like you have to know what's coming. Right, it's like spells and counter spells and that whole thing, and when it's like, oh, some guy walks up behind him and pulls out a gun and shoots him. It's like, well, right, shit, my my detect magic sense didn't go off exactly, and yeah. I didn't I didn't have time to conjure my my ward spell, and oh shit, I just took a round in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. My pointy cap has fallen I, to the ground. Yeah, you took one d six damage to the back of your head. Yeah, yeah, you can take take about twelve more of those before you have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, D yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's kind of like. Imagine the the infamous Raiders of the Lost Ark fight scene. Oh yeah, yep. right. So the magician is this dude that is trained for ages, and he's super powerful and super really good at fighting. He's got all this magic, and then the dude across from him whips out a gun and shoots him in the face. Right. Well, okay, that's over. Mm-hmm. 
Because he was ready to fight another mage. Or like he is prepared to throw a big, nasty fucking spell and right. somebody drives a rhino up his face. <laughs> right. <It's> like, <laughs> fuck. Because I think the rhino counts as technology. It does. I think yes. so. Animal husbandry. You know, the thing is, Hot. magic, when you look at it on the scale of warfare, magic is unrealistically limited. Because warfare drives an enormous amount of innovation. Mm-hmm. And if it's driving innovation in technology, why isn't it driving innovation in spells? Because you know, when we have a when we have a magic system, usually what we have is a finite number of spells that are built to a scale of personal combat, small unit combat at the very largest, right? right. Sure. If you are going to be fighting a decades long war with an enemy, you know, across on the other side of the mountains. <clears throat> your mages are going to start working on some scary-ass shit. Maybe some of it's kind of dangerous to be delving into. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of it is just, like, reality-bending. Like, okay, in this area that's roughly eight square miles, the chemistry behind gunpowder will stop working. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about bending reality, right? Yeah. So it, magic should, if we... I don't like, know if, if you had nothing a, can travel faster than two miles an hour, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I, oh, I forget where that was in. What that was in? Oh, it was in the uh, Expanse novels. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, they ch- they changed the race yeah, in that little pocket universe. That was right. like, hey, Spoilers. okay. If anything, <laughs> well, whatever. It's not that big a spoiler. It's, no. At some point, there will be a thing that figures out a way to stop anything moving faster than. Whatever speed, right. a very slow speed. Right. Well, it's interesting too because, like, when you look at a, a a very advanced technology that kind of has this magic element with it, is Dune, right? Mm-hmm. And they have like oh, the yeah. personal shields, but they had to learn to fight the with slow knives. Blade the slow the blade, shield. yeah, yeah. Right. the slow blade penetrates the shield, right? Yeah. Or the killing word, you know, my name is. I I fought for a while to name our Wadi. son Moadib. <laughs> I was like, I want his name to be a killing word. <laughs> I didn't. We didn't do that. That'd be badass. I would be badass. <laughs> hey, hey! I have a daughter that has a name from Dune as a middle name. Hmm. You're also teaching her a line, aren't you? Well, My brother is right. coming with many fremen. Right, Alia. Yeah. Is it Alia? Mm-hmm. That was nice. that was Paul's sister, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. We gave it to the wrong sister because we have one that has crystal blue eyes. <laughs> her dark-haired sister that has it, but. That's the yeah. feint. That's the clever right. twist. That's how you yeah. trick them. Look over here. Look over here. <laughs> but it. But it's true. You like you don't you. There are some books that have delved into that. Did you ever read um, the Black Watch series? Black Company. Black Company. Yeah. yeah. yeah Black yeah, Company series. I have. Has I have. that like there, some of their strategic magic. Yeah. Combat. Strategic yeah. magic combat. Where like holy crap, mm-hmm. they're doing like really big, crazy shit. Yeah. Right. In and those I, that kind of stuff. That inevitably, that kind of stuff would happen as the war g- drags on mm-hmm. and people become more and more desperate. I mean, when World War One started, every, no one had the intention of using chemical weapons. But right. when they realized after the first season was over and nothing was resolved, mm-hmm. and the, they realized, shit, it's going to be really expensive to keep this big fucking army going. We're not used to having big fucking army go- armies standing Just for waiting. years at a time. Right. We better start exterminating the other side some way, or else we're going to go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons they started doing all that stuff. So if if they're drive if 
if the if the king's coffers are are drying up trying to keep this army going, he's going to go to the mages and say, "Okay, what the fuck? You guys mm-hmm. are magic people. Make magic big." Right. Yeah, just yeah, do it. <laughs> it's a like a where's the magical arms race? Exactly. Doesn't happen, yeah. right? And that's a limitation of most magic systems, probably, because magic yeah. systems aren't really built for that sort of mass combat level. Right. Well, be, and I think it's because when mostly I, I believe when people play, play RPGs, it's more about a personal storyline and experience yeah. for their characters. They're not all about like, yes, I can't wait to be part of a five hundred thousand person army that spans three continents. Right. Like, I don't want to be the cog in the wheel. I want to be sure. I want to be the yeah. the strike team that goes in. Well, I right? think. I mean, if you got a good if you have a good GM, they, the the players can play key roles in. Oh, in absolutely, that situation. yeah. That, sure. But that's but that's the backdrop. Yeah, right behind it, it's like wow, holy crap, it's fucking amazing, mm-hmm. right? But nobody's going to go watch the movie, for example, of like, oh, here's a just some, you know, infantry guy, right? Like, okay, is there anything special about him? No, nope. Was he involved in anything important? Not, Not really. really. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's, yeah. There's, there's space for that. Well, it, my dinner with Andre. Because <laughs> I'm just going to say the war and, combat and, movie. And while I love yeah. my dinner with Andre, like I don't think that's the game the vast majority of people oh, are no. looking to jump into. <laughs> but at the same unless time, it's like the Inakai, which is like, hey, we don't want. We're in like uh, session eleven. We're not fighting. Why would we fight? Why would we <laughs> fight? Can't we talk? It seems more? barbaric. It's kind of like. If you look at Warhammer the RPG versus Warhammer the tabletop game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like nobody's really interested in playing Space Marine 004. No. Right? But they do want to play this, okay, cool. Oh, so here's our crew, here's our thing. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. But like, if you zoom out from that party, you could theoretically oh, sure. do stuff like. I've always thought it would be a really cool idea to run, uh, you know, a rogue trader game, mm-hmm. and then have, like, okay, all right, everybody, we we had our session, and then have it influence a series of actual, like the, you know, the war, board game, wargaming, right, mm-hmm. missions or whatever. Like, it'll give an advantage to this side if you oh, guys yeah, went this right. way or. Mm-hmm. That like it would be cool to kind of play on two levels like that. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to do that, nah. but it's cool, cool as an idea. If you want to, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, so thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. What's Yay. your what is your price from Doug in Vancouver? You want that one or you want me? I'll do it. Okay. Insert favorite douche reference here. Are you guys oh, before you? One plus two plus two plus douche. Bourbon fans? Anyone? Sure. Sure. Yeah. What? Jib yeah. got this for me for my birthday. Jib. Jefferson's Rever- uh, No, we we just had we just had Ardbeg. Right. Which I got you for your birthday. Which is you like yes. that? It's so smoky. It's it's like licking think, a campfire. It's mm-hmm. awesome. I think I got you a bottle of Ardbeg for your birthday last year. It's gone. <laughs> I know. I know. But they go away just, fast. Oh, I, a thing. I just so funny. I today one of the gifts that Elspeth got me for my fiftieth birthday showed up. Hey! Oh, because it was a was a pre order oh, thing, and it yeah. finally got made. And it is was it from Kickstarter? No, no, no. Oh. It was uh, sideshow. 
but it is it's oh. a it's the Vader. So you've seen that really big Boba yeah. Fett that I have in my office. Yeah. It's the same scale Vader one. Nice. And she took a photo of me. I'll put it on Facebook. I'm holding the box, and it's like then like smiling like oh my god the box is like friggin huge is he full scale no he's not like they're life size not but he's but he's probably oh, like, okay all right yeah they're whatever. like one eighth like, yeah like one eighth scale six. he's like ale yeah. i went huge man when, when i went to disneyland when was that thursday mm-hmm. yesterday yeah. uh i went inside america sings <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. holy fuck it's a giant star wars museum yeah, yeah it's, it's the, fucking awesome it's the I launch no bay idea. it's a launch bay now yeah, yeah. yeah. i had yeah. no idea I walked in. Did like, you get photos? Did you hang out with 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 Darth? There was, or there was with, no one there when with we Boba. Were, no one was there when we were in there. Yeah. No. Did you see? There was a bunch of kids dressed as little Jedi. Oh my god! There's a great video of yeah, this they do little the Jedi kid training academy. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, there's this great video that I saw that somebody shot where some little kid was dressed up like Kylo Ren, uh-huh. right? And these two stormtroopers. They have stormtroopers that walk around. Right. That part of the park. Come over and they're like talking with him and everything, and they're taking him so you can get photos, and then they guide him. Like all, like they are his personal entourage. <laughs> they're getting people to move out of the street, and they take him all the way over to the launch bay and get him into the line to then get his photo taken with with the Kylo, Kylo Ren. Ren guy. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was just bitching. But the whole time they're like, "Oh, move aside, citizens. We're here to help." Like they're moving, <laughs> and like the whole thing. And the little kids just like got his his <laughs> lightsaber out. He's like, <laughs> "Yeah, Whoa, wee. yeah." Like that's that was badass. Because when when I, we went there with my daughter, she was like, "I don't have anything to do with Star Wars. I want to go on this ride. I want to go on that." that, 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 that. Okay, so I'm like, well, we went this time. We went for my birthday. It was like, room, room, Star Wars. I didn't go on any of the rides because the lines were so long. Sure, mm-hmm. the, the, the only major ride we went on was the Cars ride, which is freaking fantastic. I love that ride. Oh, so the uh, um, Ridge, Ridgeway Racer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> they've changed the big bumper car the Luigi's tire thing. Racer. Yeah, yeah. it's a cool Luigi's dancing dance song. thing. It's fucking it's hysterical. Awesome. I haven't been on that again. I've been on that yet. It's oh, super. Yeah, sweet. it's like a, it's like line dancing for little cars. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's exactly what it is. I, you sit in a, you get in the car and you belt up, and the cars right. sit and dance with each other dances. around. It's, it's like Italian line dancing. Sweet with cars. It is freaking hysterical. Oh, anyway. Oh, try right. this. It's fantastic. Oh. It's a bourbon. Anyway, I'm sorry, Kimmy. Oh bourbon. no problem. No, that's <laughs> totally. Fine. Kimmy's on her phone anyway. She's yeah, insert your douche. Pokemon, come on. Here. I have a, actually a great picture of, of Pokemon sitting on you just a minute ago. Me? Oh, oh there, is there one in here? Have you been, it's gone. Have you been poaching my Pokemon? No, we can both catch them. No, not anymore. You can. We're on different servers. We can all catch the Pokemon together. All right. Uh, what's your prize from Doug in Vancouver? Insert favorite douche reference here. Listening to season, uh, to season 17, episode 7, and the A-team wax elegant about, eloquent about gumshoe, mostly stork. Uh, a thought occurred to me. What would it take to request certain systems for future actual play campaigns? I think he just did. But I like his next idea. Yes. <laughs> but wait for it. I know. All right. You run a patron. What if there was a vote slash poll of your Patreon backers? The backer gets one vote per dollar per month contributed. Brilliant. Buy our fucking loyalty. I love it. (laughs) Tell us what to do and back it up with cash. (laughs) Or what if some generous listener were to gift you a rules slash setting book for your consideration? My gaming group rotates jamming duties from campaign to campaign. My next one I want to run is a gumshoe knight's 
Knights Black against Dracula Dossier. And I've been trying to find some actual play to listen to for inspiration. And I've only found the limited one-shot sessions. So, if some generous cool. listener were to gift you some PDFs, would they be put under consideration for future campaigns? Doug in Vancouver, Washington. I have... I have thought and i maybe even said to somebody but i could have just been talking to myself in the bathroom uh that that (laughs) it would be cool if we did a series of one shots in different systems Mm -hmm. yes and the actual plays like oh they're they're one shots they're not campaigns so people get an idea what the system is like yeah like that and it gives us an opportunity to play stuff that we normally don't play Mm -hmm. right or or ones we don't do uh we don't do campaigns in like i would love it kimmy if you ran a a wild talents one shot. Yeah, I've never we, played it. I've played it. I've never played it. Same thing. I've read the book. And I've never played I've it. I've never played it either. See, <laughs> there you go. I've run it a million times. Yeah, I think we kind of talked a little bit about something like that last um, podcast that I was on, which might have been last week. I don't know. Weeks are running together. Um, but uh, who am I? Who, who are you people? What do you mean, you people? All right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean, you people? Yeah. <clears throat> um. About uh, like giving the same setting to a bunch of GMs and having them all run it. I, I think we talked a little bit about that last time. Oh yeah, yeah. Unless I was talking to an myself. Interesting in the bathroom. exercise as well. Oh yeah, that'd be really cool. I talked to myself in the bathroom and it's stuff like, well, "That's a good one." <laughs> <laughs> Is it supposed to burn? <laughs> no, you're just so excited. <laughs> what did I eat? <laughs> I. I'm reluctant to engage. Bring daddy more toilet paper <laughs> and a beer. My kid, my kid's not old enough yet. Yeah. No, no, your kid's not. And what a shock! Yeah. My wife doesn't play that. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm reluctant to um, uh, put my penis limited gaming time to the whims of. The internet. The internet. <laughs> even yeah, I understand. Even if they pay you. See, I'm down with the Come idea. Come on, you little whore. You maybe. know. See, maybe. I think I'm down with it the depends. idea of opening a poll. Yeah. And not and and explaining. Hey, I but I, yeah. Th- if you join this and you vote, it will be the next thing we do at some point. Don't expect this shit on a timeline. <laughs> right. It'll happen. We're gonna. We'll do it. You know that kind of a thing. I I can see that. That'd be fine. Plus, Maybe. if you thought about like the greater circle of people that we game with, mm-hmm. we yes. could pull off one shots. I think that's yeah, the, that's, that's the yes. thing. Somebody, somebody's yeah. saying like, "Oh, hey, Gumshoe, I think it'd be amazing." And we're going, "Great, we're going to commit to a campaign." No. Is no. crazy, but like, yeah, somebody's going to say, "You I, know what? I'll even, run that." I don't know if one shots are going to really even. I would say. Two to three sessions. Okay, or like a limited story arc, right? Like yeah, a, like a, short, a, like a short story a, arc. Right, like the BBC does, where it's like, oh, here's a show, and it's got four episodes. Yeah. Right. Right? And, and it's fucking fantastic, because it's Fuck got... Fuck them, ben- God, it's four episodes. <laughs> I think this would be a really great idea for, um, like, something to raise money for charity, actually. So, if we did, like... Like Angry Folk. Like our beer fund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like our beer fund. Like the charity, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, right. <laughs> sober, like... The sober podcasters charity, which like is, <laughs> we've got to fight that. We've got to fight sobriety against not drinking. Yeah, but like we talked a couple episodes ago about and extra life pound, which is a really pond. great 
Never mind. It's Sorry, fine. No, fuck it. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Be, no, say... no, be the best among us. I know. Please, go ahead. <laughs> a, few, uh, a few podcasts ago, we talked about Extra Life, and we have some listeners who yes. are raising money for a good cause through that. And that, this might be a really great partnership for something like that. Yeah. I wouldn't mind doing that. If I've... we if we said uh, the uh, uh, set up some way for people to donate money to a, a charity and, you know, if they wanted to be in teams, like teams by system, like the Shadowrun mm-hmm. team or the Savage Worlds team or the Gumshoe team or whatever it was, mm-hmm. pick a team that you're going to be on and whichever team donates the most money to that thing, we're going to run a game in that system. I, right. I would totally be done with that. that well, would- and it's interesting because we know a lot of people that are either on the podcast or friends of the podcast that run a lot of different systems. Yes. Yeah. So like, like sure. Mikey, like Mike Hall, he's running like, Four games, I think, at, at yeah. September Con. Five or now. five, five now. now. And like, all different. All di- yeah. And they're all on like systems I've never fucking heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, that is, is to- that? that is so freaking cool. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's like, I don't know if it ever got posted, but we, we played, a, we did a fiasco game that I recorded. I don't know if it ever went up. But because we talked about that. Yeah. One of the ones that. I mean, I know we recorded, but I, yeah, did, I, I don't, don't remember know if it went if up. We, uh, but I it's, don't know. But it's the kind of thing where. To be able to do that and say, because ta- when we talk about systems that we play or we like or people bring up systems, like, that seems really cool, it'd be nice to say, like, okay, hey, we we went and, we went and tried it out. Right. Mm-hmm. We did it. Here's the now, voyeuristic actually, camera. Actually, before we got this email, I got out my um, penis. Trails of Cthulhu book. Just once <laughs> or twice. <laughs> Same thing, same thing. You gotta air it out once And in a started while. reading through character generation, which is the first thing I look at when I'm looking at a system. It's scary if your penis looked like a Thulu. That'd be some right? creepy shit. <laughs> Gargle ho tip. It'd be horrible. Oh my god. Your but sexual I, partners I, have to roll against sanity. Right. <laughs> That's a given. Turn the lights off, honey. Trust me. Right. <laughs> But I, I printed up some character sheets, and I've started making characters, mm-hmm. which is the first thing I do when I'm going to learn a system. Did you like it? Yeah, it's It's fantastic, isn't it? But if I hold it, I'll drink more. So, so I, I am thinking I am thinking about running a, a short gumshoe thing, maybe right. a three-session thing. I, li- I like that idea. Like, it's a, like it's a, a yeah. short, like, three-session story arc. Yeah. Right? And you're like, oh, great. Because you, you the take, first like, session, you're going to be fumbling around with the rules, trying to remember. Sure, sure. How does that work again? How do we do combat? What's damage? But after three sessions, you start to right. get that stuff. And you know, what's, you know what might even be interesting um, is familiarizing yourself with a system, right? And then if, if, you, if it seems like it would be helpful, actually having a part of that first recording being character gen. Mm-hmm. Like I could see doing a like a three session or four session traveler thing where it's like the first one is this is how character gen works in travelers we right. talk about it all the time but I don't think we've ever even with the traveler when we didn't record it depends it. I think it depends on the system sure because yeah. the yeah. vampire game mm-hmm. it was people sitting in a room in silence reading. asking a question every ten or fifteen minutes yeah quietly right. reading right okay yeah. traveler is yeah. different right I mean it depends on the system yeah. right like yeah. songs of ice and fire would be very different. Oh yeah, right. Because that that, oh, yeah. that character gen system, or or, or Dresden, mm-hmm. right, where you're actually building the city. Like if it, so if it seems to me, if if there are parts of a game system that sit outside of actually playing, but are part of that. 
prep or between session things or whatever that are that are really interesting and core with the games like that mm-hmm. would be a cool thing to also incorporate into that. Yeah, because I'd love to hear somebody building a Dresden city. Yeah. Oh sure. Oh, and no. you can always record it, and then if we're totally boring, just delete it. Yes, yeah, not put it up. But I, I, I think a good way to start something like this would get the the obscure systems that people are familiar with within the group. Mm-hmm. Wild talents, maybe grim. Yeah, I could run a grim like a and run a, a one or two shot thing because especially mm-hmm. systems you already know, mm-hmm. right? And they could even be pl- if you w- if people wanted to run play tests of the games they're going to run, sure, or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Record those and you know set right. them aside until after the con. Yeah, I mean, like if if we want to do that, I already have like I could run a couple of the three con things that I've ran. Uh, or that I've run for Grimm because the way that that just has ended up working is that each each one of those I when I would finish one I would just build the next one for the next con based off of what happened because I knew I was using the same characters right so they they already are set up to be here's a little storyline mm-hmm. right where it's like oh these three are going to kind of dovetail together anyway right so but yeah I think it'd be cool okay sorry what was it here's a little story. And so I went into story. all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute just sit right there and tell you how I don't how recognize that. Okay. What is that from? I was just about to get to that part. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> about how I became uh, the prince of a town prince called Bel Air. Oh, my God. <laughs> I used to know the whole song. I don't remember it all anymore. <sighs> it's the Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Living Campaign <clears throat> Hidden Dragon Quest Ben from New Zealand. Oh, thank you, Doug in Vancouver. Thank you, Doug from Vancouver. Thank you, Doug. In, Van- in Vancouver. Wah! Vancouver. Wah! Wah! West Albania. Wow. I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. The people from um, East Albania people hate those from, fuckers. People from, San, uh, from uh, South Dakota are a little pissed off at people from San Diego. Yeah, because the SD. We got someone that said, yeah, this is so-and-so from SD. I'm like, oh, from South Dakota. They don't know. No. They were from San Diego. Oh, so damn. people in South Dakota are like, <gasps> one of us is on the podcast. I thought it was San Dimas. Well, you can be right in. San- well, they're on the for- they're on the forum. Well, what they, they- so South Dakotans? Yeah, they have internet. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone yeah. has internet. North- we have satellite. Twice now. a day, the satellite goes overhead. <laughs> they upload and I didn't know the t- I didn't know the quickly. tubes went all the way to South Dakota. <laughs> It's Who's those reading North the Codens? You got to watch out. It's Dave's mama. turn. It's my turn. Yes, you I will the, read. <clears throat> Colt, ben Colt from New makes Zealand. Because <laughs> you have nothing else to do but read. <laughs> you think they play a lot of banjo at the South Pole? You think that happens? Maybe. Probably not. Do you know how hard it would be Penguins. to play a stringed instrument at the South Pole? I'm just going to say. It depends. I guess if you were outside. It would be easier what? than a brass instrument at the South Pole. Thank you very much. Oh, you'd get stuck. You'd have yeah. a lot yes. of chapstick. Yeah. A lot of chapstick. <laughs> you'd have to lube up your face. It's probably more of a drum continent, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, low humidity, so so organic heads. Okay. Sure. You have to worry about them right. getting all And if, if you break one or have a problem, you can just go kill a seal. And <laughs> oh, or, or a, a baby seal because sure, the, right, the, the right. skin is much they're more used, and they're used to being hit already. The easier like ones head. to find. <laughs> well, you know, and, and a lot of people know, but actually, like we talked about, that's where Tappy moved. He moved to teach a boron <laughs> academy at the South Pole. A lot of people yeah. don't know that. Yeah, he, he and he also on the side manufactures baby seal drum heads. That's right. 
<laughs> That's a new opening market for organic, non-GMO baby seals. We at the Happy Locally Jacks RPG podcast <laughs> like to apologize to any baby seals that listen. No, no I will not. No baby seals were I will never the forgive them. Recording of this podcast. <laughs> baby seal bastards killed my son. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Were they weaponized baby seals? <laughs> it, was a, it was a Captain Kirk joke. <laughs> what? What? Come on! Like that whole the whole storyline in Star Trek Six. <laughs> oh my god! In is the... like the, somebody recorded him being like, "I'll never trust Klingons. They've I'll never forgive him for the death of my boy." Oh, like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that the journey? Yeah. No, that's not the journey home. That's uh, that's the undiscovered undiscovered country, country. Yeah, right. yeah, with the with the, with the happy smiling uh, Vulcan. I have to I have to point out the what? chat room. Not the undiscovered country. There's a guy. <laughs> what? There's just like some psychotic Vulcan that's like. <laughs> isn't that? Isn't he an undiscovered country? I don't know what you're talking no. about. No. Experience. Which is the one where they meet God and they're like, wait a minute, why does God need a starship? That's Star Trek no, five, 5, the final frontier. That was a shitty one, so it's an it's uh, an odd, odd number <laughs> ones we don't talk Undiscovered about. Undiscovered Country is good, and the, and the rumor is that the new series, Star Trek Discovery, is going to take place after Undiscovered Country. Like which would be amazing. Which would be awesome. Like That's the timeline, like right after that. As opposed to Next Gen or the reboot or anything. Right. Undiscovered Country was awesome because it was like, it showed Starfleet as a military. And it the wasn't we- just a bunch yeah. of people like, oh, we're going to go on a happy-go-lucky adventure. No, no, there's some fuckers that have to sleep in bunks. They don't all get a suite. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm super excited about Star Trek Discovery because, one, I'm hoping that the, the name implies they're going to Space going the back Final the whole, Frontier. Yeah, like that. Right. You know, going somewhere, and, yeah. yeah, and going somewhere something. But then I was I was super excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to change my Facebook cover image to be the big logo. And you know, when you save a file and it's like, oh, I'm going to go grab this, and it's like zero one five two eight three JPEG. I'm like, I'll never remember that on my fucking desktop. Right. I'll just shorten it. STD. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe it'll catch on. Yeah. You know, or I'm like, it's just so, oh, because it's Aww. like ST. You know, TNG or ST. Yeah. Right. I was like, oh, it's STD. Oh. It's oh. so cute. They either didn't notice or they noticed and didn't care. Yeah, they didn't care. Like, they didn't fuck care. that. I just or they like, noticed and chuckled. What Star Trek fans are going to be ever be in danger of getting an STD? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> I just like to point out the awesome pun from the chat room, which is this podcast gets the seal of approval. Oh! Thump. Oh! 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 Yep, Stork's not here, so he's just going to say, is it Stork in the chat? Why problem make <laughs> when you no problem have, you don't want to make? <laughs> I love that, man. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Greeting to the venerable stew and assorted casseroles. Because uh-huh. we're Americans. Mm-hmm. Post-war America. We <laughs> like the casserole. I would, I, I would rather the be... The casserole a- is an invention of the 50s. Is it really? I, I would rather be Jello salad. Oh, I loved good oh, jello. Yeah. So good, right? With the, thing whip, some whipped cream. Oh, and the canned too. fruit dumped in it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprise, chunkies. <clears throat> I bring a tale of a living campaign from the wild and mysterious isles of New Zealand. G'day, mate. 
Is that? Oh, that's not it. No. Yeah, are Australia. we anywhere near enough. Watangi Day? That's We're rounding. Yeah, when's Watangi Day? I'll find out right now. Yeah, and is anybody going to get hit with a dildo this year? <laughs> I was so good. Uh, Though a less formal and centralized than the ones you might have heard about. Mm. Back when I started university in the early 90s. Oh, all right. We're along. Yeah. (coughs) Uh, Happy Unwaitangi Day. (laughs) We should plan something big. It's on a Monday. It's okay. Well, we can no. celebrate the weekend of. Yeah. yeah. That's true, yeah. It's like 4th of July. Like, when it's on a Monday, people start on the Friday before. <laughs> February 6th. No, they start like six weeks third. before lighting the world on fire. Anyway. Remind me at 8 p.m. on February 3rd, 2017, to sing the Waitangi Day song or do something else important for Waitangi Day on the podcast. Series like, are you fucking kidding okay, me? I'll remind you. Did it actually get Waitangi Day and put it as a reminder? No, it says Waitangi. Oh, well, that, hey, that's it tried. It, it's yeah. Good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. If you'd have had Siri on the New Zealand setting, though, setting, yeah. she'd have fucking mm. nailed You have it. to actually talk with the accent. I know. For it to that's understand. the worst part. Because <laughs> I, I think it's hot when Siri talks to me with an Australian accent. Right? But that's then why she I can't fucking it. do anything. She yeah. can't. Yeah. She's, she's like, I don't understand you. Yeah. <clears throat> Back when I started university in the early 90s, I joined the students' role-playing club, bewilderingly called America. America. With periods between each letter, it was an acronym, I'm sure. But he doesn't say what it is. I know, which I'm fascinated to find out what it could be. Probably never knew. Uh, But let us leave that aside for now. Uh, And heard about another group that has been playing the same game since the start of the 80s. Wow. Naturally, I was intrigued. The system they used was Dragon <laughs> Quest, a tactical fantasy RPG called uh, created by SPI in 1980, purchased by TSR in 1989, and quietly buried after one re-release <laughs> with references to packs and dark powers removed. Uh, it was a sad defanging and wouldn't have appealed to the original fans, but at the time... Maybe publishing what amounted to the Key of Solomon with stat blocks probably didn't seem like a good plan. (laughs) With the rise of JRPG games of a very similar name, that grave has likely been paved over, though Hasbro still holds the IP. Get on it, Hasbro. Yeah. We need that. Quest. Uh, This is a shame, since the system is very flexible. Skills, not classes. Many colleges of magics with pick-and-mix spell lists. Uh, for its time and had a lot of cool, if crunch-tastic, ideas. <coughs> SPI were mainly war gamers, and yes. it did come through in the combat and maths. I like how other countries pluralize maths as a thing. We don't do that here. No, we don't. That no, scares me, because I barely know one math. But we have adulting here, so... Yeah. Yeah, we, we come that's out on the short end thing. of I bet you they do that in other co- English-speaking countries as well. Sure. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do, do, do you people who speak English that don't live in the United States, do you have uh, millennials using adulting? Yeah, write in and let us know. We or if know. you're in the chat room, tell us. <laughs> or if you're a millennial, write in and tell us. Because, yeah. by the way, no one who's an adult says that. So no. if you could let us know, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> I hate you all. Do you use adulting, Kimmy? On social media, yes. <laughs> I paid my rent. I'm adulting. That's called fucking life. Right. <laughs> that's that's called not being homeless, you fuck. <laughs> Congratulations on not being evicted. Yeah. I'm going through right now and changing all my hashtags for a really long time. 
call yeah. it grown upping. You know what I can't it's fucking like stand? <laughs> That's not cool. But adulting is cool, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I can't fucking stand what? is fifteen fucking hashtags, right? Because nobody gives a shit. The best is when it, is when the, the, the text on hashtags is longer than the fucking post. Oh, yeah. That's Just had a delicious lunch. Hashtag Denny's. Hashtag <laughs> eggs. Hashtag <laughs> two poor eight at a real restaurant. Hashtag what? And you're like... Hashtag adulting. I paid the bill. <laughs> yeah. And you're like... Hashtag <laughs> remember to tip. Like, fuck you. <laughs> well, you know who does that a lot? Uh, me? No. No. I know who. Samantha. Yes. Every dog yes. picture, and I right. love that dog, has right. 8,000 hashtags You save after. it. That's how you do marketing and branding. No. You have a notes thing, and you copy and paste it every time. Well, no, no, no. I, I get having a branding hashtag. Like, I understand but that. But pick one. Because that's, that's a like, thing that's like that having people, nine logos. Fuck that. Pick, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't want every post to look like a goddamn NASCAR vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. No, because what if like some okay, so Fenris. So what if someone's searching dog and then oh Malamute, oh Husky, oh awesome dog or Because it's important to brand your dog. <laughs> hey, Stu has an Instagram account for his dog. I do so and I haven't posted on it in you made since it. like three days after I made it. You made right. it. I did. I, I did. I have not gotten that bad yet. Well, you don't no, have no, a you have you put, put pictures of your I dog. I have a Instagram. hashtag for my dog. I do not have an Instagram account for Only my dog. one, you're not branding your dog very well. He's golden lasso dog. <laughs> well, that's fine. Did you get him a little golden lasso to put but in his no. head? No. The, the real thing is, the real like thing is, like it. people hashtag shit that no one will ever search for, <laughs> because it's not branding if you're like hashtag. I learned to fry an egg today. Like nobody Adulting. fucking looks for that. <laughs> no, but then you you know somebody somewhere like pressed on it to just see if there was one other person out there who used it. Maybe they did, and oh. you don't want to know those people. <laughs> Back to the email. Oh. America oh, stood for Advanced Middle Earth Role Playing and Individual Character Assimilation or Assassination. Okay. Which is why oh. I didn't oh, wow. put it in the email. Never saw anyone play Merp once. Wow. Hey! Oh, and by Hi, the way, New Zealander. <laughs> and by the way, here we go. And and I've only I I I have never played in the game with her, and I've only met her a couple times. But I like Samantha a lot. She's awesome. Here we go. Feeling majestic and ready for that weekend. That's the post about her dog. Yeah. And and hashtag Fenris Friday. Hashtag Malamute. Hashtag Fenris. Hashtag Direwolf. Hashtag Husky. Hashtag Cute Dog. Hashtag Happy Dog. Hashtag Walk. Hashtag Husky Graham. Hashtag Hashtag Malamute Malamutes of Instagram. Hashtag Dog So Fine Instagram. Hashtag Doge. Hashtag Dog. Hashtag Blue Steel. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? There's one line of what the picture is, and then four lines of hashtags to describe it. And yeah. a very nice picture of a very pretty dog. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure I would love to hang out with Fenris. And now I know 700 ways to find out about him. Right. <laughs> and I won't use any of them. No. No. Just follow her, and then... Yeah. Right. Oh, that's a good picture of Fenris. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kimmy. Oh, no. Who was reading? Oh, no. no Dave yes, was reading. Dave. I'm sorry. It's been so long. I'm sorry. I'll read faster. No. <clears just throat> no, read, no. It's just, all right. Just read better. <laughs> I feel it's getting Damn. a little bit... Um... Fucking droid. Well, yeah, because we're sat around doing fucking shots of scotch and bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> 
oh, so we've lost our way. From, I'm the sober one. That's what's happened. You've okay. ruined yourself by drinking a Diet Coke, so that's your bad. <laughs> the living aspect of that group, known as the Seagate Guild of Adventurers, apparently they, they like hard drives. Uh, <laughs> in game and out, uh, held quarterly meetings where the GMs pitched their games, outlining the goal, the approximate level of danger and reward, and the real-world location and time in character as the prospective employer. Wow, uh, uh, is this a LARP? No, no, I it's know, a living no. campaign. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. good. Worthy heroes, diabolical scum, and the terminally clueless signed up to accomplish the deed. Thirteen weeks of bickering, unchecked stabbing and looting, political intrigue, and backfiring magic would play out in the GM's area of the world, or nearby plane of existence, and then the party returned to the guild to split the spoils and prepare for their next gig. Okay. All right. Uh, that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, that's the whole, we're all going to run in the same world. Right. But as opposed, but they would do it for three months. Right. And yeah, then yeah. the GM would take over. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I dig it. It actually kind of seems like it works out a lot like the, uh, uh, what the hell is the name of that game now? That Stork and I did with the Harrison Fords. That game system that the guy kickstarted oh, has never come out with it. Oh, Cross Tavern or whatever the fuck it is? Or? Mm-hmm. Tales from the Floating Vagabond. That's yes. Right. The game that will not be, whose name will not be his book. Purchase the second edition. I encourage everybody because it's a lot of fun. Okay. Right. You'll never see the third edition, so it doesn't matter. Really? I'm shocked. Really? It's yeah. only been three years. Right. <laughs> <sighs> Characters' progress was tracked through signed-off chits for experience and money earned, and write-ups of the more exotic magical loot to be kept in their character records. All right, so kind of like an RPGA right. or you know, mm-hmm. Pathfinder Society kind of deal. Uh, this was made more interesting as to keep pace with the real-world meetings and match everyone's progression at the same rate. Uh, improving the character's abilities via training also took game world time. Okay. Uh, if, for example, your party had wrapped things up pretty smartly over the three months of real-world play, had met with success, and made it back to the guild in a month of game time, you'd have two months to train in. Huh. Oh, I see. Okay. So the idea was, All right! We gotta go! Nobody's talking! Nobody's doing anything! We gotta finish this shit! I gotta get back and level up! Yeah! Stop talking to my experience points! Right. <laughs> Full <laughs> throttle! There comes a time in every adventurer's life <laughs> where you gotta throw your balls over your shoulder and charge into the fire. Uh, perfect for It's getting... right around age 63. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that's all you have left to do. Well, it's when your balls uh, can hang that low and then you can yeah. throw them over your shoulder. Well, like you, can, you can get soldier. weights. I bet you could get it by 55 or so. You could do you train. Think, you know how they, train put those, they put those things in your ears yeah, and your lobes yeah, get bigger and bigger? Yeah. Could you just do that on your testicles? I'm oh, sure you stack. could. Yeah. I'm sure they make weights that you can stack concentrically as it descends. And it's like oh, a, like the neck ring thing. Like the neck right. rings. Yeah. Right. But in, yeah. Wow. They have a, not I'm, Google that. <laughs> just, just say so I shouldn't Google scrote stretching? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to no. think something. Wait, it'll take you right to Casey's homepage, and then it's no. all bad. Nobody wants any of that. Uh, perfect for getting a weapon skill to rank four or to apprentice as a healer. Uh, since these times scale with levels, people normally had several. Okay, hold on a second. Of the Hill People says, if your balls are that low... You use them as a double-headed mace as double-headed maces to show your enemies who's boss. 
That sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. It does. <laughs> that hurts you more than them. Whack! <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm the boss. I'm the boss. <laughs> I would imagine it would be a better way. I would it's imagine like a- the advantage would be being able to teabag if you had bad knees. That would right. be a real advantage. Because most of the dip all the way down, you could just kind of slightly bend, and you're like, there you go, there you are. That's walk over, it. and they drag limply sure. across. Right. Yeah. And sitting down, if you never wear baggy pants, because oh, sitting no. down is always going to, ow. Sure. Yeah, but once you get to a certain point, you negate that That's risk. true. That's true. Right. Yeah, once they descend past the yeah, knees of your so pants. so drunk. Yeah. So drunk, all of you. Keep reading. <laughs> No, you aren't the fascinated by hashtag it's just that, reading. This this is just the kind of thing that gentlemen have to think about as age starts right. to, to set in. It's a thing that ladies never have to discuss. Uh, he uh, he, the guy who wrote aging. this email in, whose name I Borg Borgiasmus, Borg Borgiasmus, yes, uh, and and yes, the stop talking to my experience thing could happen, but mostly not. Okay, oh, well, all right, good on that group then. Yeah, uh, characters in rotation. Which allowed for a variety and weirdness like meeting the same player multiple times with both of you playing different characters. Naturally, your own characters would never cross streams, as it were. Uh, This was loosely controlled by a committee of the most motivated GMs organizing global events, Uh, hashing out rules changes. Hashtag rule changes. Hashtag occasional rules. Hashtag changes. Hashtag organizing global events. Hashtag motivated GM. Hashtag adulting. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, did, I didn't mean to start that. I really didn't. An occasional arbitration. Hashtag hashtags. Hashtag what the fuck hashtags. Yeah. Global events, hashtag real changes, occasional arbitration, and largely worked very well. It's still going. Whoa. That's amazing. He says this is a thing that started in the 80s and is, wow, that's badass. Yeah. Because you know there's one dude that's been there the whole time. That's right. It's like the 30 years. I've been role playing since before I could throw my balls over my shoulder. Wow. <laughs> Oof da. <laughs> Hashtag continental soldier. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, blah, Do you think blah, that's blah. why tidy whities were invented? Support. To, to, for support? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Because you're not going to get that from boxers. Oh, no. No, 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 no it's no. just like you're just deciding what side it's on at that point. Right, right. It depends how bad it gets. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Split the difference. It's like lefty, righty, or tidy, whitey. Those are your two choices. Right. <clears throat> uh, During its heyday, I've been to meetings. With- <laughs> Jimmy's like, why the fuck am I on this podcast? <laughs> of all the ones I had to be on, <laughs> one to talk about. What a great use of my Friday night. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been to meetings with 70 to 80 players and GMs wow. Wow. who are also players Holy scrambling fuck. to get a game with another GM while filling their own. <laughs> and have organized 40 or more three-month-long games over a year. This all started when one game got so popular they decided to split the group into two, but kept exchanging players and inducting new GMs. That's amazing. It's badass. It's freaking awesome. Uh, this has mostly been in past tense since it's been several years since I played. I had many excellent experiences and met awesome role players, 
but at one stage realized that an amazing character moment had basically taken 15 years to engineer, and I've been I'm looking for something a little more focused since. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't get to have many awesome character moments if they take 15 years to do. Yeah. Uh, ironically, what has taken up most of my time has been doing an RPG podcast called The Big Red Couch, uh, where we draw random phrases and come up with game pitches. It's a huh. bit like an RPG-flavored Who's Loving Is It Anyway, but with less Colin Mockery, uh, although mm. we sometimes do have Canadians, uh, and has taken more of a travel show feel since my co-host upped the stakes and headed for the Northern Hemisphere, a.k.a. where they have Gen Con. Uh, if you can't imagine how that works, it's okay, neither can I, and I edit the thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you'd like to enjoy some self-deprecating humor, Kiwi accents, and steal our game ideas, give it a go. Uh, love the show. You are all the best RPG agony ants ever. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means. Agony ants. That sounds like a New Zealand thing. Check, look, do look up. up. Hashtag agony ants. Yeah. Google's. And that's um, A-U-N-T-S. Aunts. Agony aunts. Right. Yeah. It's not like <coughs> we are. Oh, it's an advice column. Oh. oh. So it's oh. like dear. <laughs> it's like dear, dear Stewie. Uh, or uh, what's Abby? Dear Abby, that's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I couldn't think of Abby. All I thought was John. <laughs> Dear that's John. That's an entire Dear John. Kind of I'm letter. thinking about leaving you. There's what also, is your advice? There's also a um, Australian television series called Agony Ants. Ah, uh, sorry, well, what do you aunts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, P.S. I genuinely enjoy the enthusiasm which Stork involves. Why Tangy Day? And the song was amazing. Uh, it's a rather awkward national holiday where everyone gets to choose between going to the beach and thinking about racial tension. So anything joyfully heartfelt seems like a bonus. <laughs> Cheers, Because we, we have no idea what it's about. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> we, we just know it's from New We've Zealand. We've never looked it up. What do I stink? No, it's very cold in here. <laughs> oh, I did turn it down to 62. <laughs> it's really cold. I'm fine. I was dude. just getting to the comfortable phase. <laughs> I was just like, wow, it's really kind of nice now. I hate you all. I'm bringing my <laughs> snow jacket next time. <laughs> it it is a little... I'm starting to feel it now, a little bit. I am literally just comfortable. <laughs> I'll leave it on then. It's, the, the temp is down maybe, to 62. Maybe we should get uh, like a coat rack in the corner and just have some... like, l- <laughs> like Different you know, thickness of yeah. coats. <clears throat> Uh, cheers, Ben Borborigmus, on the forums. Uh, links of interest, blah, 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 Stu in the show notes. Yeah. Things. Oh, I'm going to be hating but it cool. when I go outside. <laughs> yeah, I know, because it's going to be like 85 and I'll feel yeah. like shit. Thank you very much, Ben. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm truly impressed that there's that many people involved for such a long period of time. That's yeah, really That's amazing. genuinely interesting. Balls or not. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? That's that's uh, emails. I have a I have a question. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Would if I go through and edit it to uh, to remove any anyone who actually uses a name or anything? Would we be interested in me putting up the recording I did of my Pathfinder Society <laughs> game that I played at the con a couple of cons ago? You recorded it. Yeah, I put my phone on the table and let it record for the four hours I played. There's a California has yeah. pretty strict laws about uh, uh, people don't know they've been recorded without yeah. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. All right. okay. Everyone has to know. All right. 
But that would be fascinating. But if they knew, all right, well, maybe we'll listen to it privately. And we if can it comment existed, on it. Which, of course, it doesn't. <coughs> right. Could we make a transcript of it? Is that legal? No, same difference. Same, yeah. But then you have, like, no, you, like, you, there's no way to identify them at all. Somebody could have written a transcript live at the event, and you could read that. Um, oh. But what if I oh, used a really background? What if I used a speech to text way. program, and then it was like somebody did that? Yeah, and then we read it, right? And, and then we and do it as it a radio play. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing! And we did. We um, take it excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this seems like a really great idea while you're drunk, maybe. Because well, because this made me think. Made me think about the whole Pathfinder Society, thing. right? In fact, like that they they have like this basically massive organized play, yeah. right? And it would be yeah. fascinating to know if some of the things that I I felt plagued that experience, mm-hmm. if they found the same thing. Right, where it's like, oh, look, you got to get through this thing. We only have a certain amount of time. We've got to get to the end of this scenario. You know, right? Uh, it, it sounds like maybe it wasn't quite so structured, right? Because they were more. It was more a GM. <coughs> I don't know if he's still in the chat room or not, but was it more of a of a GM saying, you know, here's what I'm going to run for the next three months. If you'd like to be involved in that, like in character, I, sign right? up. Yeah. Right. Then you should sign up for that thing, as opposed to. By the end of this three-month period, you're going to have gained X experience and made sure you've looted Y magic items. and It doesn't kind of sound that stringent. Right. It sounds less stringent than that. I think simply by nature of the fact that it's expanded out to three months of gaming. Yeah. So it's not, it's not <clears throat> all right, we've got four hours and you're getting through the scenario. That's true. And, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there, there's, there's small campaigns. <laughs> and they're not There's regulated. There's a big lag, so I'm waiting to. Okay. They're not regulated and pre written by a central authority. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah, it's like every GM who wants to run something pitches it, and the GMs mm-hmm. who get full games. Right. The characters drove the story, but they were pretty motivated to get back sometimes. Hmm. Sure. I could see that. Because the idea of like getting back is where you learn your new skills and stuff. Sure. Like, that yeah. totally makes sense. It's a it's a cool idea, and I liked I liked the premise of the Pathfinder Society thing, which is there's this centralized organization and they take contracts. Yeah, they take contracts and you're out fulfilling these contracts. But there definitely was that pressure of you must get through this thing and if you don't get through this thing, you screwed yourself. Right. Right. And everyone else at the table. Right, everyone else at the table. And by the way, there is one way to find out if you got the right answer on this thing. So you can say, like, oh, I want to do this. Like, oh, no, it doesn't say in this scenario anywhere that you can you can try to talk the guy out of it. Do you want to do this or this? And you're like, uh, neither. Like, my, doesn't make any sense. Why would I do those things? You know. Mm-hmm. So that was it, so it's. But it it sounds like it's. I like the living thing. I love I love that idea. It's something that maybe we should actually do at one point because we've talked about it a lot. Like, here's yeah. a world that we all contribute to, and then. We take turns running stuff. The thing I like about the three-month thing, and it sounded like they, they tended to get about 13 sessions in, which makes sense, mm-hmm. right? 12 or 13 sessions, is it's like a season. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, great. Yeah. Here's a season, and then, great, you go to the thing, and then here's the next season. Right. I like the idea. The more the more we've been hearing about stuff like this, the more I'm thinking, maybe we can need to do this at some point. Something. Something. It'd be super cool. Clever ideas and solutions were highly prized. 
Borg Borgimus says Borg. Good, Borg, sure, Borgimus. sure. Because again, because it wasn't written by a central authority and regulated as to what could happen. Right. But, well, I think that's the thing with a Pathfinder society is it's like here's a scenario. Everyone who plays it has to have the same opportunity. Yeah. For right. success, which means you have to put the same exact guidelines on it, right? So it's much more like a very strict on the rails like video game RPG. Right. And they have to right. get to the same place at the end too, so right. they can do the yeah. next thing. Yeah. Right. Whereas these guys are every game is unique, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like this GM is his, his pitches his idea, he's gonna run his thing. You go and play on that. You're the only people that are gonna be doing that, so you don't have to worry about oh, is it gonna be consistent if this right. party comes Or like, in. oh, right. you can't kill that NBC, he has to come back in the next episode. Right. right. Yeah. That's yeah. super fascinating to me too, that they're pitching it like in character. As a GM's, and then pl- you could be that, and the player. I mean, you could have all the players so like, oh, "Yeah, it didn't sound good." No, right. like bullshit. Like, uh, okay, nobody wants to take my contract. Shit. All right, maybe I'll go find something to play. <laughs> I'll in. come back in three months <laughs> later. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, different GMs definitely had different styles and approaches. Also, New Zealand still has the Queen of England as the head of state. Go figure. What? Oh, that was that, that's regarding uh, Way Tangy Day. Ah, ah. Waitangi Day is the date when the colonials and the local tribes signed an agreement, which is which was super cool, and then it got haphazardly applied, which was less cool. Ah. Hmm. Hashtag yeah. colonial government. Hashtag inconsistently applied. Hashtag dildo to the face. <laughs> still, still one of the best pieces of captured video footage ever. Yep. All right. Let's call it. All right. Bye. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, it. Well, Thank you for joining us for Season 17, Episode 10. 10 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Yo soy Guillermo. This is Kadeve. And I am Sober Kimmy. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next Friday night, 8 p.m. Pacific time or thereabouts. That's it. Thank you very much. We'll leave you with a song.
Bum, 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 bum,